You're listening to El Yoshi Video Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Alright, thanks for listening to the new episode of Yoshiden. I'm back in LA, specifically Culver City, and I'm here with Al Jackson, a very funny comedian. I'm, I'm really thrilled to have him because um, he's going to help me cover many subjects tonight. <laughs> and um, I'm really excited because maybe his wife and your wonderful son, Elijah. Yes. Uh, he's, a, he's a spectacular. I mean, he's a smart kid. Your wife told me he's already studying Japanese language. Yes. And uh, yeah, so we have a lot to cover. But first, I want to dedicate this to my friend Kimberly Martley. Um, she's been on the show several times, and she's promoting human rights in uh, Afghanistan. And um, she's also on the board with OneWomenAYear.org. We're trying to raise money to send girls to um, Oxford. So um, uh, I'm a big fan of Kimberly, and I would love to see Kimberly do Al's uh, podcast. She's she's unbelievable, and um, be honored to have her. Yeah, she honored would, she, when she's in LA. She will definitely do it, and. Um, I, I think she's doing a couple of big speeches next year in California, and uh, I definitely want you to you know meet, meet up with her and uh, maybe even have your wife and a kid, your son. That'd be her. great. Yeah, um, she um, she took her kids to Oxford, and uh, the kids are excited, and I think um, probably one or all of them probably ended up going to Oxford. So uh, oh. why couldn't they just go to community college first? Would you <laughs> Two <laughs> years of community college in Oxford. We don't want <laughs> or Fresno State. We. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm I'm also here with Eric Smith. He did some previous episode on uh, here. Sorry. I'm I'm glad you're here, Eric. And then we we're actually recording this for in his. Tour. Eric, come over closer to oh, me. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, we we have um. What what kind of tour bus is this? We're sitting on the uh, 07 Prevo uh, single slide slide out entertainer coach. Just got off Jack Johnson. Dropped him off uh, this morning at LAX and hanging out. Well, Eric, thanks, man, because um, it was more fun to see um, Al's son getting excited about it. You know, <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's that's really, cool. It's, it's it's fun, and um, kids love anything mechanical, large, especially boys. So that, it was really fun to see him running around and they have a. Uh, he was really excited. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. yeah. I think that's cool to just watch when you see kids react to certain things. You're like. I'm an adult and I suck. Yeah, you know, like you're like I'm too, I'm over you. We get done with things way too quickly. Where it's just like, oh, I'm on an aircraft carrier. Okay, I got a I got a three o'clock lunch. I got to It's like to just stop and be like, this is the best thing that I've done all day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I think that's it's a great good thing. because you never know how much this kind of experience will expand the kid's imagination. Maybe he want to be engineer. You know, you don't know. You know, it's just, so I, I love seeing. Kids and wife variety of experiences like this. So Eric, I, I I appreciate it and everybody, everybody loves the tour bus. Yeah, and I, I have to say before uh, when we'll I eventually did. we're going to jump into with Al, but I really appreciate uh, Eric you helping my friend Stan Chan, who's also a friend friend of uh, Al Jackson, a comedian from Indianapolis. He brought his son and he is um, his son Williams. Um, going to audio engineer and he wanted to meet people in music business so um, Eric was kind enough to help me this weekend so 
Anyway, Al, um, thanks for doing this. Um, first time I saw you, you you were um, doing the warm up for Jim Norton, I think. Like, how long ago was that? Um, I'm terrible with time. I've been doing comedy about eight and a half years, so that had to be like maybe five years ago. Four, okay, it's been about five, four years. Man, I that's a weird way to say that. Five, four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were unbelievable on it. You know, you you were you were so calm. And Jim Norton's, you know, Opie and Anthony fans, they could be a little crazy, right? But you had a command of that show, and I thought, I I was a little confused. I thought they were fil- taping that part. You know, you were doing no. such a great job, and uh, you're a very funny guy. But I also think one of the big things that I noticed about you is you're a very thoughtful and intelligent guy. And and so can we? Cover, so you go. You're a teacher. You grew up in Cleveland. What yeah. was that like? Uh, growing up in Cleveland is Cleveland's a hardworking Midwestern town. Uh, and you know, my uh, I, I grew up. My mom was one of the few black women uh, that probably had her uh, got a PhD in the '80s. Wait a minute, you're, you're black? Yeah, he <laughs> is. You know, my 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 mom got her PhD, and it was well, it, what, what, what PhD in what? She has a PhD in organizational behavior. Okay. Uh, her her father has two doctorates, and he's now passed, but he had two doctorates in statistics, and he got them like before he was like nineteen. Uh, he was like a mathematical genius. So it's like I came from a family that was like we were. Uh, they were all teachers. Um, my mom was a social worker at the time when I was coming up. Um, before she got a PhD, my grandmother was a teacher. My my grandfather was a teacher. So when I came from a family of teachers, and just like just hardworking people mm-hmm. that came from Mississippi that just worked their balls off. You know, they just they just worked. They just worked every day. They never complained. They just did, worked. Did, you, did your family have any sort of connection like Harlem Renaissance or anything like that? Or? I don't know about the Harlem Renaissance. My grandfather was very much, because I look now, and it's kind of cool. I don't know uh, if you've ever, like, look, or recently, like, looked at your old family photos, but I look at, look at my grandfather now, and he's dressed the way... American uh, American Eagle and uh, American Apparel models are dressed now. Like it's really cool. He's got the sunglasses and like the 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 pants and everything that are in style now. But it mm-hmm. was like 1981, and you just see how everything cycles. So I feel like my family was like they were, they were very they were they're very much modern men and modern women. modern yeah. men and women. And the fa- the fact that like I remember my mom going out to get sushi in like 1984 before it was a Is thing that right? yeah like my in mom Cleveland? yes like there might have been one sushi restaurant like everybody's like what do you mean sushi sushi was not around player you know it was like it was this weird thing that like was considered like oh you're getting this raw fish and how do you know it's not gonna kill you it's like my my mom was always doing that she would you know i remember getting my my lunch and like my mom would have went to uh like she used to go to a food co-op and get food that was like picked from a farm so i would have like fresh brussels sprouts and like uh you know like peanut butter that was made by somebody's hands you know like the organic organic 30 years before organic was a word and just i remember the kids it would be like what the fuck are you eating you know what i'm saying and i I would be embarrassed and i wouldn't eat my lunch because i didn't know yeah there was no but like my mom my mom was on all this organic health not even like health nut stuff but just like healthy stuff 20 years before anybody she was way ahead of her time she was way she was my mom used to tell me you should follow her at jackie mac act out your dr jackie mac she's an incredible woman 
uh, a fascinating woman, almost like a Renaissance woman. And that, like, I mean, she's been all over the world. She, I remember she was telling me that when she got her PhD, which was probably, I think she got it in, like, 1988, people were telling my grandparents, who were still alive at the time, like, she's never going to meet a husband now. Like, that's how people used to approach sure. it. They'd be like, oh, your your daughter's clearly gay. She can't be looking for a man with an advanced degree. No man's going to marry her. And it's like she did it anyway. Wait, wait, is, is it specific only with black community or even white people or something like <sighs> you? I think that was the tail end of the women can be teachers, nurses, or secretaries sure. kind of thing. You know, you're talking about late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. when it just wasn't a thing. It was just like, yeah, you're you're a woman. Uh, go go put on this nursing outfit and uh, do it for that. Is, who's that? that? What are you talking? Oh no! Oh, that's not it. It's uh, try Doctor Jackie Mac. Maybe go under my Twitter. I think it's Eric Smith is trying to show us a picture. Yes, he him. Eric Smith showed me a random picture of a black woman holding a holding a Pekingese, and he's like, "Do you know this black woman? Surely you do. She is black." Say your name. Say it. <laughs> it's, it's like, but no, uh, my mom was like such an inspirational woman. And I didn't realize it at the time. Sure. But I got my balls from her. Mm-hmm. I traveled the world. Not the world. Let me slow down on that. I traveled a lot. I traveled throughout the country. I traveled where I could afford to go. South America, Central America, Europe uh, on no money in my early 20s because I was Good like, for you. my mom yeah. Just show me like, yeah, you just go. Me and my friend who I might be meeting up with tonight who's now a physician, me and that dude, we went to Spain. What what year what year was the uh did the bird flu hit? Do you remember? Remember the bird flu was like a big thing? Oh, I mean Not not the bird flu, SARS. When was SARS? You mean you mean when they spread it in Toronto? If I remember in Chinatown, Toronto? Yeah, or? like when was that hidden? Maybe like Oh, three, maybe 2002. That sounds about right. Yeah, Yeah, something around then. And I remember he and I. It it started in Chinatown. Yeah. We got this crazy flight on. This is how silly people are. Uh, Singapore Airlines was having these crazy flights because people weren't flying Singapore Airlines because they assumed that SARS was on the airline. Sure. So even though we caught a flight from JFK and by the way, to Amsterdam. I want everybody to know you, you major in biology as well. Yes. So, 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 okay, so, yeah. <laughs> That's why a lot of my friends are doctors now. Yes. And I'm still telling dick jokes in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're going to buy a house in Pasadena. I'm like, we're holding it down in a two-bedroom apartment. I'm glad I didn't finish med school. But uh, yeah, we, we, me and my buddy, we traveled, and we with the uh, to finish the star story, we we would find deals because uh, for a long time, Singapore Airlines, you could travel them because they had super low fares, trying to get people to to fly their airline sure. because there was such hysteria about like I don't want to get SARS, and even though the flight was going from New York to Amsterdam, people were like, well, it's under the seat or something, you know. So it's like we caught these crazy cheap flights. We we used to go over to Europe. We I would land with. 240 bucks in my pocket and we'd stay for three weeks and we figured it out we'd hustle we talked to we we go to nightclubs and and just because we spoke english and do american hip-hop we would get people in and they right. would give us drinks and let us party and it's just like we fit you figure it out now this brings interesting um, um conversation now you know black people understand racism the way japanese people understand radiation um it's, <laughs> that's a great <laughs> we're very we're both sensitive about those subject matters when you travel to different parts of the world i know the thing that my friends in japan they get angry i tell them there is racism in japan 
and they say they're they're on they're technically right because they don't have wide variety of different races mm -hmm. so they're saying there's no racism simply because they don't have different races yeah. there and i'm making an argument like if you did have different races more of it you won't have racism because right. i i just think Asian people don't like other Asian people. And believe me, Patrice O'Neill used to tell me I'm racist or whatever. And like, I didn't disagree with that. It just, you got to give me a reason why you think I'm racist, you know? So, it's, so what was it like for why, you? Why would Patrice say that you were racist? I'm Asian, of course. Yeah. I do think most Asian people are racist. Are you really? <laughs> that, that's hilarious. I mean, that's Well, I mean, you know, I have Japanese name, but I'm ethnically Korean. Uh -huh. So I grew up in Japan, and they, they hate the Korean people. Like, every time there's a, some crazy murder case uh -huh. in Japan, they would say, it must be Korean or Chinese did it. Really? Right away. And uh, and here's the thing. When I, when, I, when I was a kid going back to Korea, because I had a Japanese name, Korean people hated me, too. So, like, it was no one, <laughs> it was no one situation for me, you know? And then... Um, when I moved in state, I moved to Bremerton, Washington, which is Navy town. And mm. like, boy, we got blunt of uh, anti-Japanese shit when I was a little kid. And um, what what year was that where you were moving there? I moved to Bremerton, Washington, nineteen eighty. Oh wow! So there were still a lot of World War II veterans there, and I didn't know anything because Japanese go out of their way to teach World War II history. That's St. Helens here. Yeah, yeah, I was there too. Yeah. Oh. And um. Uh, the Japanese, <laughs> Japanese only only will tell their suffering, but they don't explain to the young people like, well, why did Americans go to war with Japan? They they forget to mention that part. You know, yeah. it's very biased. So, um, I do have a mixed feeling because I'm ethnically Korean, but I'm not accepted in Korea, and I'm not Japanese. I'm not really accepted in Japan either. I much prefer over here because to most people in America, I'm Chinese. <laughs> you know, in Europe they just call me Chinese. You right. know? They can't tell the difference, but. Um, Did that so, ever bother you? I, I'm a little weird, different from um, most Asian Americans because I'm Asian. They're Asian American. There's a hell of a difference between African American and African. Right. You know? Most and, definitely. And, and Patricia used to tell me Africans hate African Americans. Oh, they hate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, same thing. I mean, I, I have... I have a hard time relating to Asian Americans, you know, because um, I, I because you know I do a lot of racial. Um, some people say racist jokes, or you know, I say <laughs> I all kinds it. of anti-Asian <laughs> stuff on stage. Some of the Asian American acts will kick me out of the Asian shows, and they will say things like, um, "I'm embarrassment to Asian culture" and things like that. But what's you know really weird about the whole thing now? A lot of them do not speak Asian language. They don't know anything about Asian culture. Like out of all of all of those Asian comics. I'm probably on like top one percent as far as going to Asia, born in Asia, know the language, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, it's it's really peculiar. Mm -hmm. I particularly have problem with Asian Americans you, raised by adopted and white by white people. Those those are always a problem for me. Right now, do you think that mm -hmm. there is that that there is a uh, like a that these Asian American comics are whether they ever verbally say it or not. Are taking advantage of the, you know, this might not be the right word, of the novelty of who they are, but not really embracing the full, yeah. the full gambit of being an Asian American comic. They're like, I don't speak the language, I don't celebrate the holidays or embrace the culture right. to a certain extent, but I will be on the Asian American showcase in Montreal because that'll get me in Montreal. Like taking advantage of the part yeah. of the fact that they're Asian and that, that that if a show is casting an Asian character sure. or they take advantage of all that but then when it's time to be like hey do do you do you celebrate this holiday do you 
Mm-hmm. Do you want to, you know, uh, like they have no interest in like the real, the 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 the, the real part of being an, an Asian person. It, it it doesn't personally it doesn't bother me. You know, the show business is a tough business, as you know. So what it, whatever gives you advantage, that's fine. I I um, I just don't like it. I don't remember this Asian American girl out there. You know, she was giving me a hard time. And uh, she said I was embarrassment, which is, you know, I'm embarrassment for many different reasons, but not because of that. But, <laughs> but, but she keeps saying like, you know, Asian culture, this and that. But like, I just don't like when they're picking, choosing. They only pick the part that they like and mm-hmm. benefit them. Because if she really believe in Asian culture, she shouldn't be talking to to an Asian man because she's an Asian woman. You don't talk to men like that, yeah. you know. And she doesn't po- follow that part, you know. Um, but I, but as far as taking advantage, I mean, we all, you have to do whatever necessary to make it. You know, I don't. I, I I'm all for you know uh, stereotype Asian jokes or whatever. I mean, I I I'm all pro any comic. You know, I, it's not my business to anyone to say whatever what subject matter to talk about stage. I give people freedom. It's just I think it's just silly when they're give me a hard time because. I have such a mixed feeling about Asian culture because mm-hmm. I'm from Asia and um, there's things that like wonderful, but there's things that are hor- horrendous. So I, I, I have a mixed feeling about embarrassing all things Asian, you know. Um, I just think if you live in America, you should be American first, not Asian American. I don't like the hyphenated shit at all. Right. I, I really hate it. Because if, if I go back to Asia, I feel more common with you or... or Eric here because we, I could talk about football and stuff like that. What am right. I going to supposed to talk, talk to them about sumo or something? I don't right. know that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I, I I talk to things that like matters to me, and because I lived here for so long, it, it's it's. I mean, I like Asian food, but that's pretty much where it pretty much ends, you know. And yeah, I, I so love, you and I are a lot of like like I'm addicted to Asian food. Yeah, like, I, 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 I love, love that, but I don't like some of the. Um, um, Requirements or you don't need uh, dogs. no, right. okay. I don't have a other, I don't like certain obligation being Asian. I think I, I, th- this is what I say to Asian Americans you live in a free land, you should be free because they, they, I think a lot of Asian comics they would like to do dirty material, they're just afraid. This is a kind of common still thing. in 2013, absolutely. And they were wow. born here. I wasn't born here. You would think I'll be more fearful of that, but do you um, think that's more like? Parents like guilt that would come that comes from above. Like their parents would be like, oh, "I didn't like that dick joke." Well, they just don't like their kids getting into show business. Period. You they're know. Not, they're not doctors. I've yeah. met I've met a lot of uh, Indian American comics that have had the same problem. This even though they're successful, their parents are like, "Yeah, but yeah, but you could uh, your brother is." And I'm like, this person is the head of the blah 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 blah. And it's like it's not enough. It's just like if it's not doctor or engineer or lawyer, they just don't. It seems like the parents don't accept it. Well, it's it. very strange because, you know, if you're making a million dollars a year doing TV, stand-up or whatnot, or you can make a quarter of a million dollars being a doctor, they much rather you're a doctor. You wouldn't think Asian person would get a gigantic advocate and do the math. You would think you would take a million dollars. But money is important, but uh, prestige things really still matter with Asian parents. And mm. uh when I tried to explain to my mom stand-up comedy, she really thought I was like a circus act. Like, I'm traveling, I'm traveling with circus, you know, doing fire acts with the bears and stuff, you know, because it's really embarrassing. And, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this on my podcast before. I worked pornographic business, porn business for 14 years, and, like, nothing embarrassed Asian parents. Like, you know, she will tell me one of her son's accountant this, uh, doctor this, pharmacist, engineer. And last thing they want to hear is her, you know, her son work for a guy named Buttman. You know, <laughs> that, 
<laughs> it's really embarrassing. Ironically, Yoshi, that's the first thing yeah. I want to hear. <laughs> like I'm like I'm not I'm all in on this conversation. That's uh yeah. I, but at what point? And I know. I mean, you seem like somebody that's been able to break away and be your own man. Uh, even though we haven't caught up in some years, just from, I'm, I'm, from, I'm a very, very difficult person to deal with. I mean, you know, I I, I, I find that hard to believe. But I I I, I, I am to uh, once I get to know you. And uh, why would you say that? I'm curious. What makes you difficult to deal with? Well, I mean, I think if you, I feel like if I said Yoshi, I need you to drive with me to San Diego tomorrow so I can pick up a puppy and I'm gonna bring it back to L. A. Uh, could you do that? I think that you wouldn't hesitate. You'd be the one person that. Yeah, I won't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I know you would fucking be in the car with me <laughs> driving to San Diego. Yeah, he's gonna like, go to, to, to Tijuana. yeah, he's <laughs> like, while we're down here, I want to do a podcast cross border. Are you? <laughs> are you religious? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Well, that's good. That's compatible with your science background. Um, I, 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 I hold grudge. Um, you know, I don't. I don't want to get in detail because I, I I've talked about this stuff already before on uh-huh. Joe Rogan's podcast. Where something happened to my dad, I I I hold my stepmother responsible. I I went back to Japan, almost bitter to death, and uh, sold oh wow, a, I, I sold a couple of her relatives and fled. So I haven't been back to Japan. So, um, I, I I definitely have a mean streak, and I I'm, I can't forgive people. And mm-hmm. then uh, once I'm mad at somebody, I just, it's really, really, really hard for me to let it go. But uh, do you think that some things are unforgivable, though? Um, at, at some point, something's got to be, because to have the word mm-hmm. forgivable means that we have to have the opposite word, which is unforgivable. Yeah. And some things are unfucking forgivable. Absolutely. And I don't know what happened to your stepfather, but I know you're a pretty mellow dude. So the fact that you reacted however you reacted meant that that's what should have gone down because your instinct is your true God. And yeah. whatever led you to do that, and I don't want to get into that, whatever the fuck. I mean, maybe we'll talk about that off air, whatever. But I talked about it in Joe Rogan episode 317. And, yeah. Uh, your yeah. My, I find out my they, they found my dad dead, and I went to police station, and... Um, I guess my my stepmother was having an affair uh, before marriage, during marriage, and after marriage. And my dad was, uh, you know, uh, this is not something you want to say about your father, but he was too soft, and uh, he 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 was a bit of a pushover. Very kind. He never hit me. My mother used to hit me all the time, but my mm. my, my dad didn't. And then uh, I think it wasn't within my dad's imagination that people could treat him after he was so kind to her. And then I heard all sorts about the horrible things that my my uh, stepmother did. So. I tried to poison him. I talk about all that in Joe Rogan 317. So she didn't know what kind of person I was. So during the funeral, I, I, uh, I caught her by herself. And I just almost, I was keep beating her for a while. And then um, some old lady in the cemetery screamed. So I, I ran out of there and I saw her um, um, sister, brother-in-law, and nephew. I, I beat them and just ran the hell out. And she almost, I think if, if the old lady didn't scream, I, would, I probably would have beat her. I don't know why I'm laughing. I almost bitter to death and I, I, I fled the country but I've done stuff like that you know in past and uh, it's um, I I, um, I I definitely think even though I'm not a religious person I definitely think there's right and wrong and like there's some things I would tolerate but you cross the line you know anything I mean just imagine I can't I don't even want to suggest it but something happened to someone's kid I mean as a parent you yeah. go crazy you have to go crazy you'd lose your shit yeah you'd and, lose your shit and that's why 
And, and first of all, I think people do. Mm-hmm. I think people do lose their shit to a certain extent. And, and, and you know what I think about all the time, which is like in the day and age of 24-hour news cycles where shit comes and goes yeah. and all that kind of stuff, I think about that Sandy Hook shit yeah. all the time because, you know, it's... You don't, you know. I picked my son up from school today. I just got back in from a road gig, and I went yeah. surprise and picked up from school. And when you go and you see kids that young and that innocent, I th- I keep thinking about Sandy Hook and like, what must have been going on that day? Yeah. What, how scared those kids must have been, and the confusion. It's just like the one point in time where you just like you should get a pass you know even when you get look the horrible things are happening to people all the time all over the world well i just read this thing in south africa this motherfucker and i don't know what else to call this motherfucker this person is going on in south africa raping kids like two three years old and then they just found two kids in uh um shoved into a uh toilet toilet tank canter uh, uh, you know the area that you keep the water in the toilet mm. they just found the two kids body in there and they found another one in the field and like I'm not really I can't I just can't forget people like that and like I just it's just beyond my imagination um, it, it just it just burns me up when I hear shit like that you know yeah and and, and um, um yeah, it's just it, it's ho- it's I'm hard. always angry when I hear shit like that well you should be mm-hmm. you should be fucking angry it's 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 it I think half of this life when you when you decide if you're gonna be a dude like you or a dude like Eric or a dude like myself where you're like, Man, I'm gonna be chill, I'm trying yeah. to be good to yeah. people. It's like you have to fi- look, man, you have to figure out a way around this to navigate your life. Sure. And this is this might sound like I'm going way out on a tangent, but I, I promise I'll come back. It's like when you meet somebody and they're like I'm a diehard fucking Red Sox fan. Yeah. That's what I do. And you're like, dude, get a life. And they're like, no, dude, I got Red Sox this. Yeah. I haven't missed a game. I listen to shit on the radio. Sure. I go to auctions, you know, whatever, whatever, anything Red Sox they do. What the Red Sox gives that they have a Red Sox casket when they get, you know, when they go down. I feel like that gives people a way to navigate through this world. There's a, there's so many things that you can get pulled off on where like, you're a fucking hippie for 10 years and you come back and then you're super right wing religious trying to make up for that shit and then you gain 300 pounds sure. and you look, like if if you don't have something to guide you like every for 162 games I'm I, I go to Barney's Beanery and I watch the Red Sox and then I call into the local radio station and I talk about it that gives you a way to guide your life and then you teach your grandson about the it, it gives you a way to live and if you don't have that which I I think a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people that lose sure l- lose their way in this world. You start to get into deviance. You start to get into to drugs. You start to get into dealing with the wrong people. I know that sounds like some after school special shit. Sure. But we've both been around the wrong fucking people. Where you've been in a car or you've been oh, somewhere yeah. with people, and you're like, this is these motherfuckers are bad news. And it's like when when you don't recognize that like you're in a car with a pimp. And his hitman and some other muscle or something like that, to, you know, to a greater or lesser extent than that, your life is in trouble. And I think that there is a, you know, 
when you start getting into the Sandy Hook shit and people doing things like that to children, but, they but, don't but, have but, a By the way, to people who are listening to this show, the ones, yes. the, <laughs> few, 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 few listeners overseas, um, I, I think it's in Connecticut, right? This is about a year ago. Yes. Some psychopath, and that, I don't know what else to call this motherfucker, but he starts shooting a bunch of kids. How he, many kids did he kill, Eric? 26, 24? He first killed his mother, who was a teacher at that school. Mm-hmm. And Took her gun from the house. Yes. But she didn't have any safe, even though she knew she had a, even though she knew she had a mentally challenged yes. son. Yes, he she, was not mentally well. Right, and she decided to go ahead and leave the guns able for him to, you know, she should be, she's the one in jail. And That's my thought. And it's very, very sad because, uh, you know, you don't want to see adults getting killed, but, like, it's a goddamn, I mean, these kids, you know, and um, it, it's, it's ter- terrible. And here's the even worse thing. I think people in America are used to this. You know what I mean? Like There was a school shooting today. I don't know how time-sensitive this podcast is. Yeah, there were t- a kid shot did i don't know what the motive was but he shot his teacher and then he shot another kid right yeah, and he sh- and he shot a k- every, every two weeks now they're saying it's a, it's a, down to every two weeks get now. the fuck out of here it seems like it because i sent a tweet out uh saying that there was a school shooting today yeah and two hours later it wasn't in the top 10 things trending sure. in yahoo today that shit happened today and it didn't make the top people are like a oh, school shooting Al, let me let me ask you this because um, uh, I don't want to make a lot of it. I, I hate what happened in 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 uh, uh, that school in Connecticut, but but having said that, you know this as well as I do. There's been shooting of inner city kids all the fucking time, and they don't make news, you know. And then and I don't want to I don't want to say no. Let's uh, fucking discuss this. It's 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 um. It, it, it makes me sad because you go places like Camden, you know, Philadelphia, Detroit. Um, my God, Chicago last three or four years. It, it, they even joke it, call it Shiraki. Yeah. Because so many kids are getting shot. And I think one of the theory about Chicago is many of those projects where uh, gangs who were a part of the neighborhood, when they tear down those projects, they have to spread out throughout the city. Right. And those kids in that particular gangs don't mix with those gangs in the other neighborhoods. Well... You know, you you already know what's going to happen. They're going to start shooting each other. You know, so I just feel like they tolerate people getting killed in inner cities. You know, yeah. and primary black and Latino kids, and it's there's so many of it. I think people just get used to it. It's not even news anymore. And soon as I, I don't want to suggest racism, but let's be honest, this is America. There's got to be some of that shit. When you see these white uh, kids who don't deserve to get shot either, get shot in uh, Sandy Hook. You know, like it's terrible too. But why is it? Why can't we just admit it's terrible in the inner cities too? You know. Well, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. This happened at six o'clock. I'm just looking on the AP right now. Nevada student opens fire, kills teacher, and kills himself. This was two hours ago. In Nevada. Just one state away. Yeah. So, uh, well, I, I, you know, I have thoughts. We on both that. agree it's terrible in Sandy Hook in the inner cities. But it just seems to me, it seems like it's tolerated or it's just normal. It's tolerated, and I'll tell you why it's tolerated. Because my, my theory is that there, there's two things. We, you can Once you're used to something, it doesn't matter anymore. You worked in pornography for 14 years. Yeah. Just doing paperwork, but you couldn't be more bored with that shit. Right. You think about... What, I mean, every once in a while I would think about the human cost to some of my friends. Mm-hmm. But 
Yes, I, I, I was jaded after 14 years. Yeah, it's just like you're jaded. And that's what happened to the American public with uh, with the inner cities, uh, with with rap music that constantly talks about the murder of black people. Sure. You hear that every day. A lot of the, the movies that come out, it's black men being shot and yeah. killed. Black people getting killed is boring. It's boring and it's it's an acceptable, mm-hmm. it's an accepted part of sure. our society. It's not a big deal. I mean, the the hoods in the city, whether it's like the hoods that Rick Ross came out of in Miami or the hoods in D.C. and Baltimore with the wire, Cabrini Green in Chicago, down to like Mississippi, Atlanta, Boston with, you know, Roxbury and all those projects there. But Cabrini Green is the project in uh, Chicago. But they they, they tone it down. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 an accepted, boring thing. It's not a big deal. For three black kids to kill each other, it is a big deal for three white kids to kill sure. each other. And slowly, as Eric as as Eric said, in a weird way, bruh, you guys are walking down the same road we are because now here we are talking about uh, a a white kid was shot. I'm sure he shot a white teacher, and no one gives a shit. Yeah. And think about where we'll be in two weeks. You're talking about I mean two weeks in two years if because if if every two weeks. Uh, school shootings are happening. It's only going to accelerate until we do something about the guns, which we're not because the NRA runs shit. They run things, and so eventually, it's not going to be be a big deal when white kids are getting shot well, every day. Unfortunately, the the I mean, I'm a I'm a, I'm a gun owner, and I'm, I'm not part of the NRA, but I'm I'm saying that my guns are licensed. I, the government knows that I have them. The problem is a lot of these guns they're getting aren't being bought by them in the first place. They're being bought illegally. Mm. So it's the illegal guns. If you really think about, in my opinion on it, if you think about it, the amount of guns that are actually registered and out there, and if you look at the accidents that we have with guns, it's staggering that it's not more. Right. Because we're millions of guns. We're talking millions. I I do have a conflicted feeling because I, I don't have problem with people having guns, but I also think NRA... I just think even their members. I think I there's gotta be a some. Uh, there's a pretty good. I don't want to be a member of any kind of club. It's weird, especially when it comes to guns. But uh, but I think that's. But I don't think everyone in RA is hundred percent agree with the the leadership. Like even they have to they have to have kids. There's no way they could feel good about. It. You know what I mean? Like even they, if, when they have to put on the 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 tow the tump the company line. Yeah. And like right after Sandy Hook, where they're like, well, the teacher should have had guns. Half those dudes are like, God damn, I really don't want to say this shit right now. But there has to be, like, those guys, look, the guys, I know guys that have guns. They're fucking cool-ass dudes that go out and shoot yeah. on the weekends. They're like, can we be adults and be like, that's not who we're talking about? Right. That's not who we're talking about. And everybody knows it, and we get in this side conversation, and we're not talking about the fact that there are just people that go to gun shows, buy you know, a hundred guns and then drive to the inner city, pop their trunk and sell it. Yeah. Then what the fuck? It doesn't matter about your gun laws in your city. If it's just something, somebody's buying them legally somewhere and driving them and selling them illegally. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like the whole system is bullshit. Yeah. It's like You're getting in the hands of crazy people. Yeah. There's, there's no way to, there's no way to uh, test those people. And then, and you know, it's like, it comes down to like, well, I don't want the government to stay out of it. Well, if I, I'm I'm fine. If I think you should uh, take some kind of mental test, if I pass it, whatever. I mean, I I think I would pass it. I think I should be allowed to have my guns. But somebody that shouldn't be having guns, that's who the people that are going out and doing this. I mean, I, I you know we we have to take driver's license and drive a uh, 
mechanical um, vehicle and, and it's dangerous if you're reckless I I I, I don't do a lot worse with the car. I mean, yeah, it's crashing into malls. I I don't know why um <laughs> I I just think, I don't want to pinpoint like NR, every NRA members are bad cuz that doesn't do you anyone any good. I I just wish they, we could have an honest conversation first and say this is a problem and everyone should work with it because you know America as you know <laughs> we're both minorities. This country loves violence whether you like it or not. Oh, yes. We love violence. We and, sexuality. Everybody wants to go out. Everybody's afraid to die, but everybody wants to go see a horror film or see the new shoot 'em up movie. Like, nobody wanted. You got to keep it. If you're gonna see people fucking, yeah, dude, that we 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 just. I I just think to me, if you take all the guns in the USA and send them to Japan, we're not going to have the same rate of violence because there's. There's many things I don't like with Japan, but one thing I do like, there's a social contract among Japanese people, and they're, they're not going to have rampant, crazy violence like that in Japan. There might be some, but not at the same rate as here. Yeah. I, I, I just wish we would have more honest conversation. And the fact that, you know, Ronald Reagan cut um, funding for mental institute and helping mm-hmm. people with mental illness, and I think that's a really bad combination. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. That's just crazy people with guns. I mean, that, you know, I, I think you could have a gun and be law-abiding citizen, you know? So I, I don't have a problem. But I, I don't know what's the solution. I just know that I'm not smart enough to give a solution, but my gut feeling tells me this is just awful feeling, you know? And like, I, I, it's I don't a wa- helpless feeling. Yeah, I don't want to give a shit. Only time I give a shit is if somebody that I know got hurt. You know, it, it just this is just not... I don't know what's the solution, but I, I this got to stop, man. Just, well, it's a... Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing where just like we, and you have a son so you got yeah. there's got to be a concern and you just you you every day even in the united states there you're when you leave your house and even sometimes when you don't when you leave your house you are subject you don't know what the fuck it's just like a couple weeks ago somebody some guy just drove his car 80 miles an hour down the Santa Monica Pier. In the Venice, right? Like, in in yeah. Venice. Yeah, not Santa Monica. In, in Venice. And it's just like, those. it was just an afternoon. Yeah. And it's just like these... You could have been there with your son and wife. We go to Venice all the time. Yeah. And there's... I, I, I want to... Uh, let's get to this because I, I would be very curious to hear how you think about this. When you have somebody in your life... Sure. Uh, I have a sister who has a uh, mental illness... Uh, she's uh, schizophrenic and she suffers from bipolar. Can I, can I add something to you? Mm-hmm. This and this is one reason I think the West is far superior than East. Asian people they hide that shit. And they hide that shit because of shame, right? Like if, if if my mother have cancer, I know I'm not gonna hide that. But in Asia, we're 25, 30 years behind when it comes to mental illness because, um. If, if 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 let's say my uh, my younger brother had the same problem like your sister, the f- whole fucking family will hide it. They will hide it. Yeah. Know? And when you have a problem, hiding the problem is not gonna. It's, <laughs> Doesn't it's, that it's, always work? It hiding it, 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 bury it. Put my down. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. But you know, uh, we'll go back to your sister. But this is a reason. I'm not. I'm, I'm not being sarcastic when I say this. No. When I watch Jerry Springer, I am just amazed and love this country because. They'll get on the show and tell the most embarrassing <laughs> yeah. problems because Japanese Asian people will not do that. They're just terrified what other people think. I mean, that's the thing with Asian people; they are terrified getting judged by other people. Oh. So when they come in public and say, "My sister fucked my whatever," and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, my baby daddy, this and that, yeah. Oh. Um, 
to me, that's the strength of this country because we're face down the problem, you know. And 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 I wish more Asian people would do that. Of course, I I'm more open. I think I'm above average being upfront about certain problems, you know. Mm-hmm. But my family's incredibly embarrassed by it. But I think I I um I, I I'm just hoping that the more um, Asian people kind of follow. You know, the thing is, black people other end too. Like they will tell you the truth, even if you don't want to yeah. hear it. Yeah, black know? black people we talk straight. They don't they don't fuck yeah. around. Like Patrice is like a good example. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> he's the real deal, man. <laughs> you're my hero, deal. The Lawrence Taylor of stand-up comedy. Yeah, that's, all, that's, that's a perfect way to put it. He is a Lawrence Taylor man. Holy and, um, shit! Yeah. So go go back to your sister. I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to hear about that. Oh no, I mean it's uh, this has been something. My sister is 39, uh, and I was talking with Eric about this before we even started the podcast. I mean, my sister, um, I guess, and my mom would actually be better telling us because I was younger. I was probably nine or ten when it started happening, but. Uh, my sister started in middle school, like 11, 12. Sure. Started acting okay. out. Um, bo- at first, it started with just boy crazy stuff and then cutting school, and that led to running away, staying, coming back. And then she kind of kept it together to some extent in high school, but she was still sneaking around. She was very sexually promiscuous. Um, right after high school, I don't even know if she attempted college, but like, you know. She met a guy and they she got pregnant. Uh, after that, it became, you know, she was in the street. Like uh, my my mom basically raised her first daughter, mm-hmm. and while that was happening, I mean, my sister was staying in homeless shelters. She'd be gone for. How was your mom dealing with that? My mom's just a tough a tough woman, man. My my. Your mother sounds Yeah. 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 You couldn't, have, you couldn't be the person you are now saying the, and having the wisdom that you have without somebody being influential in your life, and I guarantee it's your mother. Dude, oh, most definitely. And, I mean, my mom was like, we're talking about a woman with a Ph.D. driving around the streets of downtown Cleveland mm-hmm. at 2 o'clock in the morning looking for a daughter, and she would find her. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck she would go to the hood and walk into some fucking dude's house and get my sister. Yeah. I don't know the fuck. And this is before cell phones or anything like she just wow. knew. I'll tell you, like, it's so weird. This is like a weird woman's intuition story. But, like, this is how you know that we are animals. And I think about that all the time. My mom uh, remarried after she she was married to my dad for, like, seven years. She remarried a white dude named Jay who uh, they were married for 20 years. They got married in 1990. Again, they were an interracial couple in the 80s. This isn't, like, in Cleveland. this isn't Kanye and Kim shit. Yeah. This is, like... <laughs> A black do a uh, black woman and a white dude going to a restaurant in 1988, and people are like, "What the fuck are you doing in here?" Like, it sounds crazy because 1988 doesn't seem that long ago, but this is like, this was not okay. This was not okay. You know what I'm saying? But Cincinnati, they had a big race riot. They yeah, had a big yeah. Race riot was in Cincinnati. Yeah, and it was like it wasn't that long ago. We're talking about 20 years. Did you do, do, do you mind like I mean how? Like you, I was. I jump into about the European. Like I'm curious about your racism experience overseas. But mm. well, I mean, how's the racism level in Cleveland compared to like other cities? Because Patricia used to tell me like Boston is fucking racist. Shit. Boston is. Ra- I, and I lived in Providence for four years. Okay, dude. Boston is. You can feel it 
It's a right? weird thing. I spent a lot of time, a lot of time in Boston. I've been to Boston probably a hundred times. It is. Listen, man. You can is, feel, is it one of the worst can, places in the country? Yes. Oh, no doubt. Wow. It might be the worst, except for maybe like some small southern. But the thing, the so you give five Bill Russells. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> think about that shit. I mean, think about the reason that the Bill Russell isn't as celebrated. I mean, he's a little bit older than Larry Bird. But for those of you who don't know, he is a legend among NBA. Was ten, eleven, eleven championship, eleven championship mm-hmm. with the Boston Celtics. But he lives in Seattle, Washington. And my impression from listening to him, boy. Even though he brought so many championships, they treat him like shit. Still calling him a nigga during yeah. the, during the game, like a home game. Yeah, you know, and it's just like that's why he doesn't fuck with Boston like that. Is because they what they did to him and how they tortured him when he was there. And Boston is still. And they would have never won any of those championships without him. No, let's be honest. No, and see, like the good thing. I mean, look, if you're a young white dude or white girl that's a professional if you don't live in boston you're stupid it's the greatest place ever for white people it's out of shit <laughs> it is whitetopia it. it is the well you're, you're kind of a scruffy white dude it's if you're a clean let me change that if you're a clean cut professional white boy well you're it's, good it's to go home of mit harvard university yeah uh 50 mile radius to boston there's more college university anywhere else in the uh, state uh, united states it's it's the whole state is business of educating so that's the, that's the weird part because you have really well-educated, progressive, uh, cosmopolitan people, but you also have working-class, uh, uh, blue-collar workers. Right. You know? so it's a really interesting combo in Boston. Yeah, it's a fabric of racism that's built in to the to the background. It's just what it's the backbone of that city. It's just hard-working Irish cops and firefighters, mm-hmm. and that those cultures uh, have have for the most part always rejected uh, rejected black culture for whatever reason and that shit is rooted there and you can feel you can feel it when you go to a bar like my buddy would uh, you, my, you, do, when was the last time you were in Boston? shit when was the last time I was in Boston? Uh, but you felt it still? oh yeah I mean maybe two years ago at the most but and, I mean I used to go there all the time my best friend who's now a surgeon mm-hmm. in West Palm Beach he did he went to Harvard uh, and bef- you know he went to we we both went we were both living in Providence Rhode Island which is uh, an hour ten minutes from Boston uh, with traffic then he went to Harvard which we will talk about because you went to Brown University yeah yes and then he went to Harvard so I was going back and forth to visit sure. him and then he did his residency his surgical residency at Mass General in Boston so my best friend in the world spent twelve years of his life in Boston so I was going back and forth hanging out you know. So I have a lot of experience in that city. Sure. And it's just like, I mean, it's fine. But, like, you go into places and, like, you can feel. And I'm sure you've been places where you, like, yeah. you, you get that feeling like you're not really wanted there. You, It's a feeling of, like, what the fuck are you doing in here? It's not said. Yeah. But the bartender's weird, you know, when you let order. Me, let, me, and, let me give you an example. I was uh, I was opening for David Taylor, which you, you, do, do, you do, too, before yes. we pass. And after the show... I asked a couple of the fans, like I was talking to them, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in Boston for the next couple of days. I would like to visit places. What, what's a good place to visit? This handicapped Bostonian guy started giving me places to visit. This old white lady walked by, and she goes, oh, my God, he's going to get killed in those places. Yeah. <laughs> this motherfucker handicapped guy was trying to set me up. I don't know where. I mean, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I know it's a real thing. But he was telling me places to go, and like this old lady said, he's gonna get killed in those places. 
he's just I'm just fucking with you. But I don't think he was. That's the thing. Like that's when I realized, wow, even the handicaps are fucking with me in Boston, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I other than that, I, I haven't had a problem in Boston, but Patrice made it clear to me he stopped performing there since nineteen ninety seven. He, he well, something like that. He hasn't performed there and Boston? Yeah, and um Think about this. I've n I have I did the Boston Comedy Festival maybe in like oh six. Yeah. You know, oh seven. I have never I've performed all over this country. All over the country. Never performed in uh in the <laughs> in this I got a funny story on top of this. I never performed in New England, even though I lived in New England for four years. I perf I I, uh, I work there. Yeah. I have friends there. I went to college there. Never in the one time I got asked to, I got asked to do a college in Maine, and they were like uh, the the agency that hired me. They were like they want you for like the t the twenty eighth, and I was like I can't do uh, February twenty eighth, but I can do March first. And they were like they don't want you to do March first. They were hiring me for Black History Month. Oh. Like they wanted me to come in and do that black. So it's like the next day, what my jokes weren't gonna be funny. <laughs> They're gonna fucking come to be like that would have been funnier yesterday, you know. But yeah, it's a, it's a real thing, and it's like I have friends that live in those places, and you know, it's it's whatever. But I always felt very uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable every time I lived there. To, to be fair, Al, I've never felt those, but I've only been there half a dozen times. But every one of my Asian friends, they said like they felt it, which oh, is on. Fuck uh, yeah. Uh, 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 you asked him. The original question was, "Do you think it's racist or your experience with racism?" He lived there. He does stand up for a living. And the last time he performed there, it was in 2006. It's 2013. Never been asked. That's a pretty good answer. Yeah. Well, never been asked. Now, and you know what's weird? I never even have my <laughs> like. Never been like. Never. It's weird. It's almost like that part of the country is cut off in terms of. I don't think about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even go. I never go, all right, I need to set up a little eight-week tour. Let me run through these cities real quick. I'll, You know, I'll hit Miami yeah. and D.C. and Cincinnati and, and Minnesota, uh, you know, uh, Minneapolis and the Iowa City or something like that. Like, it never crosses. I never think about it. It's never come well, up. Uh, I haven't thought about Boston since we, <laughs> it's like, you know, but, so I heard the Red Sox from the World Series. But let me, let me ask, I mean, first of all, are you really a Red Sox fan? No, I'm oh, from Cleveland. Okay, no. Okay, okay, God, no. Um, so, I mean, what's the racism situation in Cleveland? It's like 50% Boston or 20% of a Boston? Oh, uh, Cleveland is... If Boston's the worst racist city in America, I mean... I, <sighs> I don't know. I never found Cleveland to be that racist. I'm sure it is. I mean, because you have to understand, like, we're not that far away from we're maybe t at this point, two generations. It's like I think about myself. I'm 36. Uh, I'm not going to say my mother's age because I was raised right. Love you, mama. <laughs> um, but, you know, her my grandfather, the one I said has a couple PhDs. Uh, yeah, it, not even hipster. More like a cool. He was dressed like a guy that he should have. He was a modern man. He like, should have like mm -hmm. the way he was dressed. He should have like thrown a white overcoat over his shoulder and gotten into a white Testarossa, <laughs> like just like <laughs> like a cool. A yeah, like a like a cool. Like, but I mean, my grandfather experienced like white water fountain, black water fountain. You can't eat at this diner. Like that was the that was the bulk of his life. Right. And he looked and, like see that man. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's it's a thing where it's like, 
we always want to think that like racism was way back then, but it's like, I mean, your it's, it's your most... grandparent, if your grandparents are still alive, they got some stories. Sure, you know your grand. I mean, ask your grandmother. I mean, it, it's not too long ago where like a dude could come home, uh, and I don't want to talk too much out of turn, but uh, my mom had a husband before my father uh, that she married, I'm sure, just to... As I think back in the day, women used to marry dudes to get out of the fucking house. Right. You know? And I, I'm pretty... Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, this motherfucker was abusive to from what, you know, what I can gather. And it's like, it's not like people romanticize about the roaring 20s and the 30s and the 40s. Ladies, you guys used to, like, a dude could just come home and knock your fucking teeth out. And there's nothing you can't there's do? There's nothing. The neighbors wouldn't do anything. They'd turn their music up and be like, oh, well, you know, it's Eric and his wife. They're, you know, he's, he gets drunk on Fridays. He would break your nose. You know, so it's like we are evolving and we are getting better as people. Yeah. But all that horrible shit, internment camps, slavery, all, even to a lesser extent, Guantanamo, that shit's not that far in the rearview mirror in terms of like, this shit just happened. This isn't like the Huns or some shit. This shit was like your grandparents were there, were alive when like the first school in Mississippi was integrated. Yeah. You know, and they're throwing rocks at eighth graders trying to go learn fucking triangles. I mean, you know, race thing. yeah. The race thing is like you're talking about it. That's, it goes both ways. And, and, and you know, um, uh, always. We we will talk about it because I think we're both fans of uh, Condoleezza Rice, mm-hmm. and um, it sounds like her background was very similar to yours. Where you know, um, um, I, I gotta say, when I was growing up, I, I didn't like some of my black friends saying being smart is like being white. I, I, I mean, that's a problem in our culture, and, and I I really I didn't I didn't like that. Uh, thankfully, my friend uh, Patton family, you know, they they um, it's one of the, the shameful part of my growing up in the states. They're African American friend, my friends of mine, and my family. Just some of my uncle and aunts assume because they're black, they're bad. But mm-hmm. here's the funny thing: one of them became a professor at Purdue. Other one went to uh, a Brown University and worked for Microsoft. Other one is a computer engineer. Uh, the third one is like MBA and working for Fujitsu and became vice president. Like you know, and, and me, my my brother's doing well, but like you know, I've always had problems like keeping job and things like mm-hmm. that. But these kind of like arrogant assumption that people make you know and and, and i hate I, th- I hate the fact that my family did it you know and then um um i mean of course i i, I had a big argument with patrice i do a lot of racial jokes at times too but i, I like doing them because they make white people uncomfortable and I, <laughs> yeah. I fucking love that but um um i just think when you look at places like chicago i call them moo mm-hmm. you have michael jordan obama and oprah i mean those are the three significant character in 21st century. Yeah. Uh, no, even the KKK will not say Michael was the greatest African American black athlete. I mean, you have to say he was one of the greatest athlete. Period. Oprah, you know, I, I mean, no, the I, queen I, of broadcasting. Broadcasting. She could talk to people who are are, are um, uh, high school dropout as well as people who are executive. Of a, of a 500 uh, fortune companies to PhD at Harvard. You know, she's amazing. She could talk to anyone. And President Obama, he, whether you agree with his, his policy or not, 
He's unbelievable. He, he, one of the smartest presidents we had in a long, long time. He's probably up there with Bill Clinton, who's, who's, who's yeah. very, very smart. So, um, you know, I, I, I just, um, I, I love this country and that there's racial problems, but I have trouble enough countries, a little over 40. I don't think we get enough credit because um, we make news whenever there's a terrible racial incident. But I think for most part, most people do get along with other. Racial I group. think that as well. And like, I don't know about you, and I don't want to cut your your point off, but like, I I think that's really cool that you recognize that. Do you get up every day and you just look around? And you're like, I can't believe this shit works. Like we just function as a country of a bunch of random motherfuckers. I mean, it's really kind of impressive. We kind of think about the South as being primarily, you know, country and red, but it's like, you get up in LA. It's amazing. Or, or any city. Forget yeah. LA. Miami. D.C. Columbus, Ohio. You can go and you can sit at a restaurant mm -hmm. and there can be seven di different ethnicities in that restaurant. You know, people of different ages, different races, sure. different backgrounds, people just passing through. You know, a table of uh, a lesbian bowling team can be next to you. You wouldn't give us. You wouldn't even notice. You know, two you gay Mexicans guys cooking the food and black ladies bringing it. Who care? And no yeah. one cares. Yeah. It's like, and for all our racial flare-ups, which are going to happen because we're human beings and we're awful. Most I people think, do get along. That's yeah, the thing. it's That's a beautiful thing. We don't talk about the majority of people like Eric that just go through your life and you're a good dude. There's so many good people that no one gets talked because we're talking about some dickhead in Nevada shooting another kid, you know? When, when uh, I love baseball and I remember John Rocker was talking, and I don't hate the guy, I, I do find him amusing. But I think he's amusing too, yeah. Everything that he hit at Train 7 in New York <laughs> City, every, everything that he hit at Train 7, I love it because when you grow up in Japan, everyone looked the same. Everyone thinks the same. They behave the same. It's really fucking boring, to be honest. Right. It's one of the reasons why they have a stability, because everyone's the same. It's like that scene from Star Wars where that, that bar scene where everybody looks fucking fucked up and weird and yeah. stuff. I, I, the cantina. I, I, cantina. I, I, just love, I just love that because when you meet different kinds of people from different backgrounds, everybody thinks different. Like, life is full of surprises, but that sh difference, that shit makes me like, I, I, I never get bored with USA, you know? And and uh, and uh, we should talk a little bit about Europe because you you've been there too. But I know elite European people always criticize American uh, races, but I think they have it all other way around because most of the uh, terrorists that comes from uh, outside of uh, Middle East and Arabic countries it's from Europe because they do not do a good job uh, in, uh, uh, assimilating those people. You could say whatever you want to say about all the problems we have in this country, but we do a hell of a good job assimilating people because most of the terrorists had anything to do with terrorism in America. They've flown over here. Mm -hmm. But in Europe, they do not do a good job assimilating people who are not white Europeans. And yeah. I'm not saying why your parents are not bad people. They just don't know how to do it because we've been doing it for so fucking long. And as you know, Oprah had a problem in Paris yeah. shopping at some fancy place. And she's like billionaire. And they keep saying, "I don't. You shouldn't be here because you can't afford it." To one of the richest women in the whole fucking world, but they, they're. I'm telling you, I've been to Europe many, many times. They're having a really hard time dealing with people who are not white Europeans, and I love white Europeans because I get hookers there all the time. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> but Thank you know what I mean, the like, Lord for them. What, what, what was that? What was it for you going to Europe? Like, did you feel 
different well, flavor of racism? I, I was kind of uh, prepped before I went because one of the first places I remember going, uh, we went to Spain mm-hmm. and uh, I, I went to uh, Sevilla or Seville. Um, that was our first place that we went, and I was told ahead of time. Cause I had a friend that did a foreign exchange student sure. program there. And Is she, she black like, or she? Yeah, she was black. Okay, so I went. What with, was her experience? Well, she was just like she's a tall black girl. So everybody was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. And so when we went there, my buddy, um, who uh, who's actually here, he's just moving out here from to L.A. this month. Uh, he's a doctor as well. Um, he had he has dreadlocks, and we were eating at a cafe, and people were like. Sure pressing their face up against the window like yeah. peering in you know to just like look at him and it was like we had already been told ahead of time but just like y- you forget that that being able to go out like we do and seeing people of different colors and different races uh especially in like the smaller cities and sure. like they just didn't there were no black people maybe one yeah you know so like when there's a couple black dudes wandering around like people talk about it people See, so it wasn't like racism, like fuck you. It was more like a curiosity. Sure. Wherever I went to, you know, I mean, unfortunately, my name is Yoshi. So the first thing they answered the Nintendo reference, right? Oh god. And the other half, they would say Jackie Chan, this and that. It, it, it believe me, that shit doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. But um, my <laughs> dude is so, it's so funny. Um, I, I have a hard tolerance for stuff. I mean, the only thing I don't like is. If it, it's if it's hurting other people's feelings, it, it, and that shit doesn't bother me at all. But if they get trying to get physical and violent with you, which I haven't had a problem at all. But um, other than that, I, I don't really give a shit. And I think to them, remember Paul Gasol? Yeah. I think 2008 Olympic, he and his Spanish basketball teammate did this thing where they put their fingers by oh, the eye. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I really believe it. The, except for Paul Gasol, rest of the teammates, I think they're just being funny, but Paul Gasol, he's just too f- smart and lived in LA long enough for him to do that. I thought it was just a mental lapse. I don't think they're racist, but like, I just think if you're a high profile person, like, why would you put yourself in that? There's spot? a thing where I'm just like, there's no way that I would ever do that. First of all, because it's not funny. Yeah, I don't get that. I, like, I don't, I don't mind racial jokes. I don't mind. Yeah, race. I've heard some funny ass racist shit about black people that it, I've it, laughed it, at. I, <laughs> you know, it's we we like, have to factor intention. Right. It's like yeah. intention. Is there malice behind it? Absolutely. Is it clever? It's yeah. just like the. I, I'm like, ugh. Like that's just so embarrassing. I'm like, is that your level of humor? Yeah. Like, do you need a banana peel on the floor to slip on that too? Like, is that your level? Like, do you like? Looney Tunes, like, do you need a big mallet over the head and the the knot comes out? Like, what what do you need? Like, I just feel like that's the lowest level of humor. So I I would be more upset that an adult thought that that was funny. But I mean, Europe has constantly dealt with, uh, you know, issues of racism in terms of like their soccer games. You know, they throw banana oh, peels and bananas at the it, black that's, players. That, that's definitely a problem. Yeah. I'm 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 confused because in in 20s and 30 when Josephine Baker went to Paris, uh, she was a massive star. Mm-hmm. They loved her. Uh, Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. They they love Miles. Like they treat him the way you should treat a guy who is absolutely a genius in jazz. You know. And I'm not a music guy, but I've listened to uh, kind of uh, what's it, kind of blue. Is that the name of the album? The kind of blue. That's yeah. exactly what it is. And and uh, listen anybody to listening, please pick that up. Please just do it. When you when you when you listen to that, like, even if you don't have no music background, like, it's unbelievable. It's dope. And, and, and my friend Terry Lynn Carrington uh, is considered the 
the best African-American jazz drummer in the whole world. In fact, when she was 17, 18, she played uh, a drummer. Dr she was a drummer for Miles Davis, you know. Oh and, like, when you listen to it, like, um, you know, clearly they're amazing. So people like to visit in Europe. Europe always will respect culture more than I think we do over here. Like, even stand-up comedy when you perform in Europe, they do consider us an artist. Not not in like a, a part of my language, not in a faggy way, but they really treat like uh, it's an art form, and they really really appreciate that, you know. Wow. And um, um, so it's 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 a very mixed feeling. Like when you meet like a worldly well-educated Europeans, they definitely uh, have no problem with uh, this different ethnic group. But soccer. Wow, wowza! Yeah. I mean, Jesus! I mean, there's problem when 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 the audience are more physical than actual players. Yeah. Sports, you know, <laughs> I think a lot they of kill fuckers there. Yes, I mean, I know hooliganism is a problem in the UK. Whenever they try to travel to a, a mainland continent to Europe, immigration definitely check your records. If you have a problem, they will send your ass back because they're fucking violent, man. It's a real thing. It's it's and I I think that's just culturally again built into the sport. I just I mean I have a friend. I'm not gonna say what, she, but she works for um uh a soccer a professional soccer team sure. here in here in uh in the states. And she was telling me she's looking for another job because she's a black woman. She's worked there for 13 years, and she's just like she can't move up. The racism is like ridiculous. Wow. Just and I don't know if that's a pervasive thing in soccer, but. It's a real thing. It's a, and it's something that uh, uh, th that's gonna have to be addressed. She's a woman, right? She's a woman, black she, woman. She tried sleeping. Yeah. All yeah. right, Eric, you being silly. Um, but like Zinedine, he, he I'm was, like, has she tried it? <laughs> <laughs> Zinedine, I I I I might not say his name. Zinedine, he was one of the greatest French. Um, oh yeah. Football player, soccer player, and he said the racial slur, right? Uh, they were they were just. I think is he a full black or half black or something? I, I, I'm not quite sure, but I think his family's from nor, nor, Northern Africa, Morocco. I'm, I'm sorry, soccer knowledge. I'm, I'm pretty weak, but like, it's so blatant. I, I I was really really shocked. I mean, yes, some of the players in, the, in in America have racist feelings and stuff like that, but you know, whenever they, I think we're hypersensitive, overreact sometimes. I mean, this country. But in Europe, but they really are behind, man. I mean, I, I, I really was stunned. Like, they would call them names, the ape sounds. They would throw bananas and things like that. And, like, I, I, I thought these are, like, enlightened, cultured. You know what somebody told me about uh, Europe that I hadn't uh, that I hadn't thought about? And they, they were saying that, and, and I think about this. I think this, this also, and this might bring us back to the United States, we had our civil, uh, not only our civil war, but our civil rights, rights movement. movement. Sure. And as ugly as that was, if you think about like, if I have a problem with you, Yosh, or I have a problem with E, I if can just spend enough time with you. Well, yeah. And, and it's just like, <laughs> but it's good. It's like, especially yeah. we're on a tour bus right now. If I just go, dude, if you don't stop fucking leaving the bathroom door open when you're taking the shit, yeah. like, and it's fucked up, and he'll be like, fuck you, I don't know. If you just get out the ugliness, just yeah. get it the fuck out there. Dude, I'm sick of this shit. Stop bringing your girlfriend in the thing. You know I'm trying to sleep. Whatever you're doing, it's going to be rough. It might even get physical, but the next day you'd be like, I, I, we got that out. Look, man. And, 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 and I feel like Europe never did. They never did that. Fuck you, nigga. Fuck you, cracker. 
to get that shit out and just like just get it all out there. I never liked you. I never liked you. And then after a while, I was like, let's get a fucking beer. I don't give a shit. You know, it's like you got to do it. You just got to get it out of there. And it's 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 interesting because sometimes European elites think they're superior to Americans because they never had slavery. But it's really weird because there many of the European countries. You know, especially places like France and uh, you know places like that. They were colonial power, you know, mm-hmm. and they colonized those African countries. And um, either some of them are denial and don't want to acknowledge it. Others think um, they should still be colonizing Europe. But the other extreme, and like the Netherlands, I've been there many times. They're having a hard time criticizing some of the things the Muslims are doing there because they're a former colony. And and um, I, I think we both like football, and I have a lot of the love and respect for Bell Parcel. And one of the things, he, I remember he writing something for Harvard uh, Business Review. He said, confrontation is actually a good thing because it clears the air. You tell them exactly what was the problem, you let them know. Because if you don't let That's people know. That's great. If you don't let them know, they did, if they don't know, then it, you know, you're not getting any closer to solving the problems. And I, I, I think Europe has, as much as a lot of love over there, I, I think they're having a hard time having a, on this conversation, I think it's easier in America because I think we we have a history of doing that. Um, <laughs> can, can I can I possibly? I got to piss. Uh, let me, Dude, I'm I had to piss so bad. I was like, I was gonna give you the mic. <laughs> <Give me bottle. laughs> it's just like you're gonna carry the, the podcast. You're like, I don't know that I got two microphones. Let yeah. me pause it for a second. Okay, cool. okay, we're back. I don't even. I don't. I'm drunk a little bit, so I. Uh, damn I, it, uh, Yoshi. Uh, you know, Asian people can't drink. Yeah, um, only two um, beers in. So we we were kind of talking talking about Europe, but overall, you you had a pretty pleasant experience then. What growing up? No, no, visiting Europe. Oh, yeah, I had I I would say I had a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I went to uh, went to Italy, stayed there for. What was that like? Uh, I had a great time. We did this. Uh, this <laughs> I'm interesting. Surprised to hear that. Yeah, and now not a great time in a, in a different way in terms of that was the first time I went to Europe and didn't do the tourist. Uh, smoke, drink, and try and bang as many chicks as possible. Well, what part of Italy did you go? Uh, we were in uh, Siena, and we were in uh, Montenegro. Okay. And uh, we, my my family, this is the looking back on it was the last family trip we ever took. It sounds morbid. It's not. I mean, uh, my stepdad, my mother, my niece, and your uh, stepdad was a white guy. My okay, stepdad's okay. a white guy. My niece, who is now. Uh, should I say this on the podcast? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, okay. Well, uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, you don't have to. I mean, you, you, no, I'll, I'll say because I think it's a good thing. My my then niece, who's now my nephew, she's undergoing uh, gender transformation. Okay, she's now uh, Josh, which we're very proud of her. Yeah, it's like you know uh, we're very proud of her for that. But like the four of us, we rented like this old. St- stone mm-hmm. i don't want to call it a castle because that makes it grandiose but it was like a stone house you know what i'm saying with like no no tv fuck that you know this is like we got up in the morning we made our own food from scratch every day sure it was like farm it was like maybe i mean dirt roads leading to it like we kind of we were, we were like away from the world for a few weeks, can, and can, I was kind of cool with that. Can, can, can I ask you something? I mean, I'm, I know my podcast; it, it kind of aimlessly go places. Like no, me. I love but this. This is really interesting. So, 2008 historical election, we elect uh, uh, President Obama. Great, great. Um, but it was also interesting because that year, you know, they were trying to pass um, 
um, marital marriage rights for uh, gay people, mm. and in, especially in the state of California, above a high percentage of Latino and African American voted against it. Yeah, which is insane, it, but not because really. because um, and and um, the Patton family, they're, they're a friend of mine, and uh, they seem like the. They're super Catholic. They're very solid Catholic. So is my wife, by the way. They're Catholic. Uh huh. And then uh, um, my friend uh, LJ, I love the guy, and he was one. Of the, I think he's the only black person in my life that was so against President Obama because of the pro-choice and things like that. But it, at least LJ was consistent throughout his age. Uh, throughout young age, he had a very hard stand about being Catholic and this and this and that but it just seems like one discrim- I mean, like black people are discriminated and Latinos have been discriminated against like I, why is it so hard for some of them to see like gay people have feelings and like they're being discriminated at you but LJ said like that's not the same you know you I'm sure you heard this conversation yeah. before well, and, and it's just we as human beings are selfish and yeah. you you would think just like it would make sense for like we just went through this yeah 40 years ago yeah. dude you know 50 years ago we just did we just got a chance to start i mean we're still talking about affirmative action it's 2013 for the love of god we're still talking about yeah. yes it's still an issue if, uh, if i'm white and i'm standing there with a the black person it comes up in conversation and it can go on for hours yeah and it's it's like i was just telling it's like i was just telling al like we took our little break. It's like uh, I, I, I was like, I maybe feel like what it's like to be depressed because all of a sudden, you know, I, we started talking about all the differences that I have to coming from a, a small little town, being raised by parents. My parents never like pushed church on us at all. My parents are the most non-judgmental people. Like and 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 now I look at my life now and it's like I have my my longtime girlfriend. Uh, we have three kids. They're her kids uh, with a previous you know situation. One of them is uh, one of them is mixed. The middle one is mixed, and uh, I'm really good friends with uh, a guy that's uh, Italian American. I you know you hate that term. He's he's Italian, but he's uh, he's American. But he he you know, uh, and he's married to a black woman and has two kids. So he's this white guy that's raising two young black men. And you know it it's it's that's talk about being perpetual. It's in my life. I want him to have. I want him to choose and have whatever life experiences he wants to have. Yeah. And I want him to, you know, I'm, I, I'm lacked of culture because I'm just as white bread as white bread. I mean, Swedish, English, that's my heritage. It's like, it's European middle move to America, middle of Iowa, you know, at Illinois, that's, that's my roots. Like, so it's, it's, I've kind of thrown a little bit of pepper in, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's this variety is the spice of life. And, 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 you know, I think that's more getting more common now. You know, it's, it's, it's getting so common. And um, <laughs> it's really one world, man. It's like, I don't mean to be something what? Bob Marley. I'm, I'm sure I'm, no, I'm, 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 I, I've said it, this before, and I'm sure plenty of other comics probably say it too, but I do feel bad for like really young racist white kids, like five or six, because all their life, only they ever saw was a black president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and really, they're they're staring right into the face of a of a female president uh, with yeah, Hillary, I, I, with I, Hillary I, coming, and, and let's Christie runs. That's actually pretty wonderful. I think that having for those children, uh, that for the first four, five years, eight years of their life, they do see something like that. That's going to really kind of put the kibosh on 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 
racism a little bit. I think it has to. It's right? just like, yeah, I mean, it, it really does. And it's like, you think about like not only just it's the four, the first four or five years. Yeah. Four or five years to you and I doesn't mean shit. Your but formative four, years. But for your a six, seven year old years, kid. When you're figuring out what the world is and there's a black dude telling you this and then there's a woman telling you this and then soon hopefully we'll have a gay person or a Mexican, yeah. you know, Hispanic, something like that. Just like, oh, everybody has a say. So it's just it's based on your merit. If Condoleezza runs and she's the best candidate, she'll win. You know, and I feel like that, that I don't you know, I wouldn't want uh, some young Asian woman to be like, well, I can never be president. If she's like Hillary did it. Fuck it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I want to think, do we need borders? Do we need to have, like, a fence and keep these people from these people? And the more and more I, I see things and the more and more I see and realize what we are as organisms, as human beings, is that we are animals. You can't forget that. And and we probably do need fences. It's unfortunate. I wish we didn't. But, you know, there's they're fighting wars over the other parts of the world that they've been fighting for thousands of years. They're not going to resolve, and it's not our jobs to stop it. It's it's unfortunate though. I mean, it's just you just can't trust people sometimes. Right, and 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 Yoshi, just I didn't want to lose lose the point you were making about black people not voting on homosexual issues or I, voting I, I, against. I, I, voting I, I, against. I, I, I do think it's been uh, five years. It has changed though. I, I, Let's I, hope. No, I, I do, Let's I, hope. I, I do. I do. I do believe, and and this is where I know some people don't like show business people, but. When you when shows like Glee, um, I know we joke about it, but I do think that kind of things really change because I think quite often you could be a historically conservative and financially uh, conservative, but the, the, some of the fault with conservatives is that they make assumptions about certain group that they don't know anything about, and I think sometimes we may I don't with the uh, I'm from Japan and uh, we definitely don't have a hang up of a gay thing. Uh, you don't. I, I I think Japanese so Japanese and Samoans we just, we just think it's silly. Really, <laughs> we, think, we, we, we think it's silly and like oh they're gonna get into show business, but put it beat them up and put them in against the fence fence of dead when they we we don't really think that like we wish he doesn't wear <laughs> he doesn't wear a pink outfit all the time. Yeah, but yeah, it's really strange to think like that. And here's another thing, you, you know. Life is full of surprises. I remember listening to NPR four or five years ago, and they were interviewing this black girl, and she she said well, they were talking about it was during the week of NBA All Star. Like she's this black girl said that when did they let white people play basketball? And you know because she grew up in the age where most of the players are black, so she didn't know there was a time they were not allowed to play. You know so the. <laughs> It's so because there's some of these kids that live in such a progressive time, like they they have no idea that how horrible it was at times, you know. And uh, I don't know you you watch Mad Men, but that's like time machine to me. And like only time you see black people is that they're in the elevator, and that's the only time they're allowed to talk. But yeah. like last season, they finally had a couple of black characters and they're allowed to talk. But it's not even like overly racism, but like in sixties, like they were almost like invisible to most uh, mm -hmm. waspy upper middle class white people, you know. And, yeah, uh, they were just a guy on the street. Where you, oh, that's Jerry. I like I, I, I shake. You know, like they have no interaction with it. It, the the fact that our cultures have. If you think about like how short, if you look at think about time on a line, sure, like. From 2013 to when does the Mad Men take place? 1960. 
Oh yeah, in the early the thir- is the thirties. No, 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 Mad Men's the sixties. Yeah, the 60s. yeah, yeah. The thirties, the thirties is like Boardwalk Empire, <laughs> <laughs> which we should talk about too. Yes, I'm a big season. fan. Yeah. Yes, um, but it's like Livians. You think about we've gotten bet, dude. Think about the the if blink I, of, if the I blink knew of you an eye. Ten years ago, out and told you we're gonna have a black president. You said get stuff smoking, whatever the fuck. I would have told you get the fuck out of here. here. Yeah. To everybody, I don't care what black people say. There was this weird thing where it's just like Obama came on, and then everybody was like, "Yeah, this guy maybe in four years." And then it was just like everybody was. You just started seeing the surge of people. Yeah, every like where you just hear like he, he had a hundred ten thousand people show up to hear him speak at Stanford, and you're like, "What?" You know, and then it'd be like, yeah, he went to Indianapolis and he did fucking, you know, a hundred thousand people came out to a park in the middle of, in the middle of the day on a Wednesday, and it's like, what? And then all of a sudden, it's just like it's a race, and all of a sudden, he's killing Hillary, and then then you look, and he who I don't even know who he went up, he went up against McCain, who was war up, hero for God's sake, war yeah. hero, but also I I really liked McCain for one thing, and like no matter like I'm not the biggest follower of politics but like there was that woman that stood up uh when mccain and, 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 and it was he was losing to barack but not mm-hmm. terribly that woman stood up at one of uh his tour stops and called obama a, a terrorist and, and and he took the microphone from her and he said that's not right yeah he was like he's a he's, he's an a american yeah. yeah and it's just like man i fucks with some mccain dude yeah. i fu- what like Mc- john mccain is a dude He's a great American, you know. There's just, like there's some guys that are like we're we're good guys. John McCain is a dude. Like that dude, like if I ain't getting put into an term McCain, I would have whatever the fuck I would. Yeah, 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 that's what it was. And that's why that, that movie Game Change was just so great. Was just like you saw they just picked this random chick and they I mean Sarah Palin's gone off the national landscape now, but that chick made a billion dollars. Off you fucking dummies that think everybody like listen. good job, Glenn Rice. Yeah, yeah, Glenn. <laughs> you mean Glenn Beck? No, Glenn Rice, the the former NBA player. He oh, fucked her. yeah, he the, fucked her. You didn't hear that news? Yeah. No, wait, what? Hold on, let me put. Can I put the mic down? What? <laughs> No, for those for those of you, no. Glenn, Glenn Rice. You, I thought you meant to say Glenn Beck. No, Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice, Rice University he, he, of Michi- be, Michigan. Be, 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 because did, did you know? Um, <laughs> so Sarah Palin was a Sarah Sarah Palin's a sports writer, and she always went to work for ESPN. And where's ESPN at? Bristol, Connecticut. One of her daughters' name is Bristol. So this is how much of a sports fan she is. And I don't know which team, uh, uh, Glenn Rice, he was a great three-point shooter, uh, incredible. Charlotte, he played for University of Michigan. Charlotte uh, Hornet, and, mm. and, and I think he did finally win. He a, played a for cha- the Miami Heat. Won a championship uh, uh, with, uh, uh, um, why, why, why am I forgetting his name all of a sudden? Uh, uh, great point guard for uh, Miami, 2008. Tim Hardenway? Yeah, and, and it, so um, I don't know how they met. You know they had a one night stand, whatever. So I I thought that you know that's great. I mean, like, 
Why she's a, have she's a, she's a big basketball fan, obviously. I bet she is. But he, for some reason, they kept the secret for a long time. And after the election, some I don't know. Somehow, within a year after the election, they find yeah, Glenn Rice, Hornet, the uh, basketball player. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that he, makes my thing. <laughs> the whole he's, podcast. I, I, he's an MVP, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my gosh! But um, no, I'm 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 um, I'm a sports fan. So I'm, I follow that shit. But I, when I heard that story, I'm like she's not that conservative. Yeah. Um, oh, so but so another Obama thing I have to say that like, uh, um, you know, it just shows like I live long enough, like something like that happened. It's amazing because I I went to I have a lot of framework for Tonight Show, so I went to the Tonight Show because um, uh, I work I used to work for a guy named Buttman. We we make movies emphasizing the asses. So Maggie Gyllenhaal was on the show, and somebody told Maggie had a really nice ass. So that's the only reason I went. <laughs> That's a nice show that day, and as I'm walking, <laughs> I have through, a feeling you're the only person that that's the only reason you went. There. I went, I went to there, and 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 one of my friends is a security guy for tonight show, and I saw this good-looking guy walking out of, the, uh, I think a SUV or something. So like, I asked him like, oh, what R&B band is is he member of? And he and he goes, oh, he's not an R&B star. He's a senator from Chicago running for uh, president of the United States. And I, I said really loud, I know. Uh, I apologize, President Obama. I said, "Get the fuck out of here! Who's going to vote for a black guy?" I mean, I didn't. Yeah, because I gr- I grew up from 1980. Like everyone thought that. Are you that's, kidding me? That's not even within my imagination. That, I voted for him. But I mean, yeah, uh, uh, his name's Barack Hussein. <laughs> oh, Obama. Yeah, so it's just like there's no way. There, like, there's no we way. We just got bombed. Yeah. We just had planes fly into the towers. However, they blew into the towers. I mean, it's, it's been seven years since then, sure, but like, yeah. but I, I thought like His middle name is Hussein. Hussein, like first name sounds like Osama. Yeah, Obama is not a name that is like a stereotypical black person's name. No, it's true. When he do you think for, like if his name was Johnson, you think it'd be like oh, it's yeah, President if Johnson. Like, if his name was like Tyrone Johnson. Something, you know what I mean? Like, well, even President Obama will tell you when he ran for, I believe, I, I think he ran the Senate first time, he lost because one of the things they criticized him with the black community in Chicago was he doesn't sound like one of them and he, he sounds, he doesn't sound, so he went, he started going to that black church, which kind of got him in trouble. That preacher was saying all sorts of great, kind of really yeah. Richard stuff. What was that preacher saying? I don't, I don't remember. He was but, on some oh, weird. Yeah. No, no, what, what was his name? Reverend Wright? Was it Reverend Wright? He, he was a black reverend in Chicago, Illinois, and he, he was seeing some stuff that made... Obama's wh- a black daddy. Like that <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, he pimps white women and black women. Yeah. No, I think he was more on some revolutionary shit, like we need to... Something... Like He was on some weird shit. All, yeah. His, exist- like his existence, how he came in here being a mixed child, and having... What's ridiculous is his name. And it's crazy. If you think, of, if you really think about it, how we elected—not that it's just his name, because if he was just, you know, some guy on the street—the fact that he's the president, and we're dealing with all of this terrorism and everything else, and we elected guys. Hey, Eric, if you're gonna be, cl- you have to be close to the. Oh. Loudly, because oh, I figure yeah. I got a voice that cares. And think it. about like he won both elections. They don't really talk about it. He won both elections by a landslide. Sure, he was never in a like. I mean, they tried. They, they you know, the uh, who did he run his second term against? His second, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney was like they always. They hate Mormons. Then they hate Mormons more than black people. That's fuck what I learned. yeah. Christians are do not like Mormons. <laughs> fuck that. And it's like it's weird because Mormons and you know this, Yoshi. It's like Mormons are like 
they're squares in terms of in they're a nice good people. way. Yeah, in a good way in terms of like they're excellent businessmen. They don't fuck around on their fifty wives. You know what I'm saying? They they're good family men. They 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 they, they live by their def- morals. They definitely take care of people yeah. who are having yeah, the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, all of it. It's an absolute crazy story of how it all came about. Was it Tana and you guys were talking about it on a on a podcast? One one of my comedians from he's half Samoan and half white and I learned a lot about it just from that episode. He uh, he uh, I'll make it really quick, but basically his grandfather made a decision in Samoa to become uh, Mormon, and the chief elder of the island Samoa said, "If you if you do not stop this conversion, we're going to burn you." He said, "I'm willing to sacrifice myself and the whole family." And Tana's dad's like. No. What, the, what the fuck? I don't, I don't want to die. What is this Mormon shit? So, but, 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 but they seem, they seem nice. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I just think I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not religious. So, um, whenever people make fun of, like, let's say, uh, um, uh, Scientology, it's just strange to me. Like, oh, one superstitious group of people are making fun of the superstitious because if you take everything literal and like every religious group is kind of goofy. Yes, but you believe because you believe. That's it. I'm not going to argue with somebody just blind faith. I can't argue with that. So, you go ahead and believe whatever. Um, uh, I, I'm so drunk. I don't even want what led. To, I know we were talking President Obama. I knew Al- the motherfucker wanted. That's all that really matters at this point. Just from what Al was talking about earlier and just listening to him speak, I would be willing to bet that him and I probably believe the same thing. It's just like I mean, it 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 starts to whittle itself down. In terms of what you believe, yeah. like what do you believe? I believe we believe basically w- whether we consider ourselves atheists or whatever religion yeah. we we consider. We I believe in people. I believe that my my unit, my circle of people, leads me to great to to other people that are also good. Yeah, and it's like. I know Jim Norton, who tries to come off as a fucking terrible dude. Jim Norton's an awesome guy. Awesome dude. And, and he knows you. You know Eric. Eric knows somebody. And that's how it is. It's like it's a chain of people. But it's like there's a reason that, that you're cool with Attell. Yeah. And you were cool with Patrice. We're it's like there's a... Humanists, yeah. Is, what we're is that the word? Yeah, that's what we are. What hey, is hey, that? Hey, I, I'm curious. I don't know what that is. Like, explain that Check to me. Hold uh, on. Uh, no, what, what is that? Hold on. I, I have no idea. I just it, it was a, it was a uh, it was a it's a really cool uh, quiz I took online, and it was uh, like fifty questions, and it was uh, rated like how firmly you believe this, how firmly you believe that, yes or no. It has no importance. And when it got down with all of it, it told me what percentage I was for every uh, religion. But it hands down was like seventy percent. I was secular humanist, and then uh, I googled it. And uh, I was very impressed with it's it. Basically, it's basically being pro. We're non-judgmental. We're not saying we know. We believe in something, but more we believe in people. We believe in like science. Yeah, the, po- the, 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 the power of human imagination and stuff like that. But it's, it, it, like it, it has, it, it has yeah. very little uh, religious uh, influence. I mean, the, the thing I love about Jim and Patrice and the fact that Patrice was a friend with a guy like uh, uh, Anthony in ONA who present himself like not liking black people or whatever yeah. but I, th- I think I don't think this is my impression black people and like Asian people too but m- m- black people like black people are saying you have to like us just be honest with us yeah. don't be it's insulting to pretend like you like us when you don't and like that's why I love Jim because Jim and Patrice Craig Robinson and all these great guys at Comedy Cellar they have an honest honest to God conversation of a race 
and you don't have to agree with people, but I just like the fact that they are able to have the honest conversation and not take it personally. And it's so fun to listen to Patrice talk about white people. It's so fun to listen to Craig Robinson from Philadelphia. And Craig used to fight cops in Philadelphia. He said <laughs> it's fun to fight cops, you know. And um, and and Colin Quinn and like what you Al, like um, it just it, people are intelligent. And 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 is one of the most intelligent guy, one of the most original thinking guy in stand up. It just just don't. He basically was telling me like, don't bullshit with me. Just be honest. It's and, true and it's funny. Yeah, he he doesn't care. And I I don't think Jim is racist at all. He's just not afraid to be called racist, but he will give you his honest opinion. Jim's yeah. always honest Jim every second. I, I love the guy, and I'm glad you work with him. And, and that's uh, why that's why you can never go wrong when you're honest. And and it's harder to even you think about like. I think there's always every movie you see is like about a black guy being honest and being courageous and be like, I'm going to stand up and be the first black Marine. Yeah. It's harder to be a white comic now that wants to talk about race to get into that shit now to get into that shit Upside on stage is so little. in front of 250 people and be like, dude, black people, why do y'all really do like and you're not an urban comic and you don't come at it like. I, you don't even couch it in that like yeah. black people you know I love you but like let's be real come on now like I'm talking about when you step up as a white guy and you're like listen and black people it. y'all need to get your shit together because I've driven through the hood two times and y'all had uh, fire hydrants popped in the middle of the day come on man I can't yeah. pass I like what whatever it is yeah. but like you know to just talk honestly and be like what is that why are y'all doing that I think that's great. I think that's stupid. Like, I think it, 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 it's going. It's really going back to Parcel. Like, confrontation is not a bad thing. Actually, it's a good thing because it clears the air. And I know there's many black players that play for and love the guy because he doesn't bullshit you, and he make your life miserable if you're not playing to your potential. You yeah. Know? And he's one of those guys that knows that people are motivated differently. And this is another thing. Uh, Chris Rock does joke about how uh, Pat Riley's loved by black people because he's taking a lot of black people to promised land, mm-hmm. right? And Phil Jackson's another guy who have a lot of respect. And, uh, you know, um, guys like that, I think when black players play for them, they don't think like that's a white coach. They just they just look up for those guys because mm-hmm. they don't bullshit you. That's uh, what you want. Uh, and, that's, uh, what, that's what black people want. It's a, it's a weird thing. We, we const- If you think about, like, think about, like, Watch well, the wire, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know, if you have any, if you don't have any black friends, watch the goddamn wire because that is unbelievable. The greatest TV show ever, and it's just sad that they never won an Emmy. I, I can't it, even. I, I can't I, even discuss just, the fact that it just makes me sick. I uh, if you think about like black comics, yes, and, and and especially the the really successful ones like Steve Harvey and all those guys, they're almost like preachers in a way that. Black people want to be told about themselves. Sure. And if you think about like their whole act, like they can get obviously get away because they're black and they're from the hood, so they can they be like, black people, can y'all stop wearing wigs to church? Yeah. What are you really doing? You know, half y'all sitting here, like it's just like black people, like oh shit. But if you come out there and you come out with with a white guy, act like hello, uh, I just don't like that's just not gonna go. Black people want to be told about themselves. It's a it's a baseline thing with human beings where you, like everybody's a sucker for the truth and, and, everyone and you know who that's that so well I, I remember Martin Luther King's uh, wife passed away I, I don't know I, I three four five five years ago and uh, uh, President Bush was there and I don't think President Bush is a bad person but I, I think he did his best 
black audience are very respectful, even though his policy is not necessarily good for minorities. But they're very respectful. It's it's in church, and man, that fucking William Jefferson Clinton went up there. He brought the house down, and he went up there and he started pointing finger to the coffin. You know, there's a woman there. She had a full dream and you know suffering and that that, and man, he. He he, um, you know I don't agree necessarily with everything that he's done. You know I, I didn't like the way he treated his wife and things like that. But overall, um, he was a good president. And man, he brought the church down, man. Yeah, Clinton. And hard uh, to follow that, brother. It's hard, man. It's, <laughs> I don't. Need, I honestly don't, don't even think Chris Rock could follow that. I mean, Clinton, yeah. uh, he's unbelievable. You know, and um, uh, I mean, I, honestly, I think even President Obama would have had a hard time following Clinton. We had a lot of fun when he was in. Yeah, he, he, you know, and um, I think there are people like that, and uh, I, I think th- things are getting better. I really do. I, I, uh, I, I love America. I, there's, there's times it, it disappoint, disappoint me, but overall, we do so much better than any other country in the world when it comes to uh, living with other different ethnic groups. Because if you go Africa, you got black people killing other black groups. Hutu and Tutsis in mid-90s, and you have Muslims killing Muslims. In Asia, God, I'm from Japan. They hate all the Japanese because of World War II. All the horrible things. We do make bad news at times, but you know what? For most part, it's great, man. I love Sundays when you have different ethnic groups watching SEC, watching the college oh, football on Saturdays. We're all the NFL. same. Yeah. Man, it's so... Yeah, and... Uh, um, I do want to jump into college and football stuff because um, it's sports have some wonderful thing. It, it really improved the race relationship, and and to see so many great players playing for places like Alabama, which is considered like uh, best team right now in college mm-hmm. football, and uh, you know, um, black African American players have changed the attitude, and grudgingly, even the hardest <laughs> hardest core of racist people. It's hard to argue when you have a great co- black quarterback and a running back that really, you know, because that's the thing. Uh, we might be, we, we can be racist sometimes, Al, but what one thing what Americans love more than anything is winning. And man, if you're helping the team win, uh, and you're right, you know, going back to Boston, Red Sox was the last team to b- bring a black player, as you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we love Pumsy Green, I think it was his name. Yeah. Which is not the best thing to come in as a black player. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I mean, it's not just reinforcing the stereotype. But 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 the it's uh, you know I have listeners overseas, but I I don't know how to explain to people how much we love football in this country. Fridays high school, Saturdays college, Sunday Mondays NFL National Football League. Man, we love football, and uh, um, you we, know what I think it is, Yoshi, and it's dude. Here's how I would explain this to, to people that don't understand football. Fuck football. Don't try and understand football. Understand the culture that goes around mm-hmm. football. Um, football Friday starts with your high school kid that's 15, put on a, a suit and tie. He goes to school. And if they, you're foreigners and you don't understand, I highly recommend Friday Night Lights. Watch that TV series. Yes. You really learned uh, how important football it is, in the, the, in it's, the, in the, especially in the South. It's a way of life. I can't explain. It's a way of life. And then Saturday, people get up. You know what it is, Yosh? It's like we all are searching to connect mm. 
on some level. Yeah. And we work these jobs, which we may or may not be passionate about. We may be okay with them, but we don't care. But Saturdays, I think that that gives a lot of people a reason to look forward. Like when they're on Wednesday, like, you know what? If I can just make it through Thursday, then the next day is Friday. And then Saturday, you get up. Mm -hmm. You do something that makes you important. Like, let's say say you cheer for... uh, uh, Louisiana State University. If you're listening overseas and you don't know where that is, it doesn't matter. matter. If you cheer for Louisiana State University, you're a dude, you're a 60-year-old white dude, you get up, you know what you do, you make your ribs. You start slow cooking them at 6 in the morning because yeah. you've done that for the last 20 fucking years. You make your ribs, your people come around that have been coming over for the last 20 years, you get ready for the game, you talk about the week, and it's it's your life that is in a sense your life when you look up and you're a 60 year old man you're almost retired sure and you look around at the people eating your ribs and your 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 best friend brings his wife over and his kid from college it goes he's down like that's your life and these ga- these teams are interwoven in the fabric of people's families it's like LSU football, Ohio State football, Notre Dame football, USC football is is more your life than you being like, we're some Irish immigrants that are, you don't fucking have any connection. You have a connection with USC. You can talk to your dad about USC. You can talk to your grandfather who's 45 years older than you about USC. And that's why it's so important. It's, it's, it's your family. And, it's, and, and, and you know what? Sports, one of the few subjects where you could talk to anyone. Like, there's so many different racial groups, religious group, political group, gender difference, whatever. But sports, one of the few things. If you know a lot about it, especially football in America, you could connect with people that you would never think you could connect and talk to them. You know, yeah. and and, and um, I know traditionally in this country, baseball is considered as national pastime. But let me tell you, people who live outside of the United States. Football is America's passion. It's 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 violent like this country. I don't care what people say. Americans love violence because football. It's it's. I I have such a mixed feeling, and I hate young kids playing football. But man, when I see quarterback get his ass knocked out, sacked, man, it's oh I I. I'm all, I've worked in porn for fourteen years. It's almost better than sex, man. I, I, I fucking love football, man. And then the, the college, the excitement of rivalry. And and this year, there's, you know, um, I know a lot of people have problem with, maybe have problem with that kid in uh, Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel. But, man, it's so exciting to watch this kid play football. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about watching Florida State, uh, Alabama, uh, Ohio State, you know, and Clemson just got beaten. Um Man, my it's it's like watching Game of Thrones, man. That's this is like a different house, you know. Right. I don't know how to explain somebody who doesn't follow football, but it's so exciting. I just, you know, it's, it's it drives me crazy, and I wish more Asian American love football, man, because I can't talk to any of my Asian friends about football. What do you think would have to happen in terms I, of? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you consider Samoans Asians, then yeah, we have Tongan Samoan playing, and a lot of them are Mormons that so they bring, uh, bring me uh-huh. young, but. Yeah, it's really sad. I can't talk to any, not, not even my brother. I don't. Okay, hold on. I got it. I got it. My, okay, I live in St. Augustine, Florida, which is like northern Florida. Yeah. And that's big gator country. Like Gainesville is like 100 miles from where I yeah. live. Um, my my girlfriend grew up in a house that was a gator house. So just to be a rebel, she loves FSU. She loves Florida State, which is in Tallahassee, which is like Seminoles, four hours right? away. Yeah. She's a Seminole. 
She loves FSU. So she didn't go to that college. This is what I don't understand. It's like I, I'm from the Seattle area, Seattle, Washington, but I don't, I didn't go to play college football. I didn't go to college, a major university that has a college. I like football, but I mean, I'm, I just, I, I guess, I just don't understand it. But it's so funny because she gets so heated, and she, if somebody says has a Gator shirt on, she says something to him. <laughs> I kind of like that though. <laughs> Eric, let me, let me, let me tell you something. I, I, I recently went to South. I drove around, and I kid you now, SEC South uh, East Conference. Let me tell you something. In the South football, I mean, you think people in California love football. In the South, it's football, guns, then Jesus. It's in that order. It's in that order. I, I'm not even kidding. Nick Saban, the head coach for Alabama. On game day, it is. Yeah. He, his pictures are everywhere in Alabama, you know? That's and, weird. Um, uh, I really didn't get in my college games until like three, four years ago. And like, I'm always in NFL. I didn't think it's going to be fun. But I went to like, I finally went to like one of those uh, holiday, a uh, holiday bowl, which is not even a big bowl uh, uh, late in the. So it's always like a couple of days before Christmas. Who was in the holiday bowl? Was it BYU and it, it was Arizona like, State? It, 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 it was <laughs> like random. Uh, UW uh, versus Nebraska. And Al. It was it was so exciting. It's not even the, like the big one, like Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, none of that. Well, national championship. I I I really got in, man. It yeah. was like parades and like music. Like these fans are so intimate, and like even if I'm not into whatever you're into, I love meeting people who are passionate about something, you know. And like it's really exciting. So spent them last three years. I'm I'm always spent NFL fan, but oh yeah, man, college football. I mean, if you want to do business of American, get, you should study football. I mean, ladies, one of the things that hurts you, ladies, in doing business in America is not knowing enough about sports. And it really help. You. It's a language of business because it's about competition, win and loss. It's something like business. So if you know that's more a of, good point. If you know more of uh, uh, of uh, uh, sports, and if you have a young daughters, please teach them minimal amount of sports because it will help them uh, relate to men and they do well in the future. So. Um, but, but, but who, 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 you, so you're a Cleveland Brown fan, which also happened to be Condoleezza Rice uh, uh, team. She loved the Brown. I didn't know. I, she I love her even more now. Jesus. And she's one of the smartest women in the world, one of the most influential women. She loves it. I'm, I'm glad she became one of the two members of Augusta uh, in Georgia, the very prestigious uh, uh, um, golf course. But uh, I, I was a little disappointed. People are giving hard time because she is trying to be part of a playoff. What is a playoff community? The college playoff, where they're trying to figure out what teams will go into the college uh, playoff. Because up until now, they've just been picking one based on like the picking two teams to play, kind of based arbitrarily off a computer system. But it's weighted differently. No one really knows how it works, and some teams play easier teams than others, and then some guys get in if you're undefeated, but. From Some, next year, 2014, there's going to be full-game playoff. Right. Yeah, to kind of yeah. just, you know, and then you, we were having situations where one team will win this, the title because they were undefeated, but then there'd be another team that was undefeated, but they didn't get a chance to play. So it's like... Right now, it's, it's basically a poll of opinions of expert. I don't know how they were uh, picked to be an expert, but I, I, I do like have balls, but also top four teams should go playoff, and man... And uh, whether you like it or not, I mean, college football is a big money business. And uh, once again, I love football. I will never abandon it. But uh, but if you're some uh, semi-intelligent person, you have to be a little conflicted because no other, no other country in the world have a college and university system where 
sports is so dominant. There's no no other country in the world. I mean, University of Texas have their own network, like yes, oh, yeah, which is for oh, New York Yankees. Like it's yeah. a huge money. It's a billion dollar, dollar network, business. and and you're not paying the employees. Yes, that's and, the big thing. And and it makes me sick when people say, "Well, those scholar athlete, the kids who play football, they're getting uh, free football." I'm mean, free college uh, scholarship. They're not getting it. They're earning it. I mean, they're practicing how many hours a week. They're getting hit. And if you get hurt and you can't play, you're not. You're not. You're going to lose your scholarship. You're right. I, I I'm a firm believer that college students should have more rights and they should have uh, get paid because Oscar Robertson, I think he played for Cincinnati University, of Cincinnati. Yeah. Or something, and uh, they own this motherfucker eternity in video games, and he get no money for that. At all, they own Oscar Robertson. Like they could continuously making college all star video games, and they could use Oscar Robertson and Paul Westfall. Uh, uh, um, in all these different players that play in college, they could play use their image for college basketball video games. And those players get it's n- theft. N- n- it's theft. It's, it's, theft. it's, it's legal theft. theft. You took advantage of somebody when they were seventeen. And, and if you don't c- sign this document saying you're okay with it, you can't play. What are you gonna? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Be 17 and like stand? Go get give me a lawyer in 1970. You're a black guy in Cincinnati. Yeah, you're gonna sign that shit and go shoot hoops. That's you what don't. you do. And it's like these people just Taking completely advantage of are these kids. stealing from these kids. And like I have friends that that play college uh, football to you know the uh, not even on a lower level, but like Division One, but didn't make it to the pros. And these guys are still beat up. Their shoulder, they can't put their arm above their shoulder. They're hit. I mean, these are permanent lifelong injuries from guys that made no money off of this. And it's just like, well, they want to do it. It's like, dude, come on, man. At least kick in for health insurance. Jesus. To fair, sometimes college football players get a little bit of unfair advantage. And sometimes you hear this uh, crazy story where sexual harassment and things like that. But I still think that's oh, yeah. still a small percentage of it. And I do feel bad for these players because if they get paralyzed or something, they're fucked. They, they, college don't feel like they're ever getting help, and they don't get help. And uh, NFL recently signed like you know not even billion dollars, but like seven eight hundred million dollar deal for former players to get help. But you know, how long did it take the cigarette company finally met cigarette cons? Right. They denied. Cancer? They denied it until it was legally impossible to deny it. And at that point, I mean, they they've been telling guys for an, an incredible amount of time that these concussions, if treated right, were not going to affect you long term. And that was a fucking lie. It's a, it's a lie. And these guys are now killing themselves. They think about the think about what the NFL has done. The last two seasons they've had two homicides in terms one, one of with Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, the, the one of the one of the fucking Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs uh killed went over, killed his girlfriend Went went to the, uh, the the team facility and then drove to the to to the stadium the the morning of the game. He shot and himself, killed himself in front of the coach and the general manager. Yes, there's been no talk of that for the most part. The year before that, Junior Seau, who was a All Pro San Diego Chargers, uh, San Diego Chargers linebacker, uh, killed himself, and he had tried to kill himself a couple years ago. Maybe drove his car off that cliff. But after afterward, he said like it, it was an accident. But I mean, obviously looking yeah. back, it wasn't. He was trying to kill himself. And yeah, uh, it's uh, th- these guys are tortured. Uh, Dave Dorison, who was on the '85 Bears, 
uh, shot himself in the chest in a hotel room and left his head so, so it could be examined. These guys know something's wrong with them, and they get they crack these guys' brains open, and doctors cannot believe what they're seeing. Yeah, because they when they do CAT scan of the brain, the places that a healthy person, when you look compare that to an NFL player, it's damaged, man. And and then um, um, that's why <sighs> Jason Whitlock, great African American writer for uh, Fox, now writing for ESPN, he called NFL football in college and high school. It's it's like crack. And like I have to admit, I am the part of the problem because I can't stop watching it. But at the same time, I realize these guys are killing themselves because i don't think our human body was meant to take that kind of hits like that well they're they're saying that the nfl is the the first sport where human beings have outgrown the game mm -hmm. i think when the nfl used to be a bunch of five foot seven white guys and guys used to get killed when it was like not really a real game in like 1905 at harvard yeah there'd be a couple guys who got killed but like i i they they with the de dimensions of the field Whoever invented the game could not have predicted that there would be a person, and whoever is listening, you have to think about what this would look like. Think about somebody that is five times as fast as the fastest person you know running full speed towards the fastest, strongest person that you've ever met in your life. Absolutely. And they meet in the middle with a couple inches of plastic between them it's we all know that it's just a matter of time before somebody gets killed on the field i i i'm, I'm glad you said that because i i really believe if i if i'm lucky enough to live live another 40 years i think one of these days you're going to watch a live uh, nfl sports event where somebody get hit so hard they die on the spot i, w I wouldn't be surprised because I don't know what's the average. I'm probably making this shit up right now, but the average way for like offensive defensive line. I mean, you should, three three hundred thirty pounds used to be a lot, but like that sounds like average now. And these are not slow people. They're running full speed. They're faster than me. And you're getting hit by somebody that big. I, I, you know, I I I I uh, I they deserve to make the money that they they get because I I uh, if I had a son. I don't want my kid to play football, man. Play basketball, football, tennis, or something, or golf, or it's, something. But God damn. Well, that's that's what they're talking about. They're talking about the end of football because I look at uh, I have a buddy of mine who's a funny comic, uh, Dave Williamson. He w played Division One water polo at Auburn. His wife big football college. Yeah, big football college. Uh, his wife was a th three star Division One tennis star. They have two kids that are already, like, they play with my kid. Their kids are already just, like, little athletes. Like, mm -hmm. they just built little kids, and they're already pushing their kids towards soccer and lacrosse. And it's like, this is what's going to happen. The next, the, the generation of parents now that have five- and six-year-olds are not going to let their kids play football. And we talked about it uh, off-air. There are some kids that are going to always play football. And I've heard, I've read a bunch of articles that is saying that football is going to go the way of boxing. It's like back in the day, you think about I, like I've read I've read the same thing because they were saying forty thirties uh, and forties and fifty boxing was the most popular sports. But once people start realize hit injuries and stuff, and at the time they said there's no fucking way football is going to. I mean, bas uh, boxing is going to go away. But right now, as we speak, I think there's invisible hands, uh, shall we say, like really changing because I think a lot of parents are start realizing. These kids are getting hit 
concussion, if you have a couple of those things and they're still growing, it does a devastating uh, damage to those kids, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I do think as much as it's it's hard to believe, I wouldn't be surprised 30, 40 years though, people realize like, man, this is too barbaric. Well, yeah, it just goes to the poor classes because you look at who still boxes. You Russians, poor blacks, blacks, and Puerto Ricans, and people from uh, South Africans and shit like that. It's like it's poor people. You don't. You, I mean, you rarely see like a a, a white well-to-do boxer from Chicago coming from. It's like no, no way. Polish kids, black kids, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, Filipinos, Filipinos. Yeah, yeah. it's like, and that and that's what they're talking about. If you look at like. Where a lot of the influx of football players are coming from now, you know, you're starting to see a lot of lot of lot of Samoans and, and Tongans. Tongans coming into the game, and they're always going to be black kids, and there'll always be kids, white kids from the south. But for the most part, I think there's going to be in the next couple of years, you're going to notice that there's going to be a lot more last names that are harder to pronounce. Sure, and and and, and we need to explain to people overseas if they don't know, uh, unlike uh, basketball. In baseball, you have a guaranteed contract. In football, it's not a guarantee. I mean, bo- signing bonus is guaranteed. So what happened was a lot of times these players who play hurt because they don't want to lose their job because if they get hurt and let some other player play the position and if the kid actually play better than you, they're going to cut your ass. Yep. And there's no repercussion because the salary is not guaranteed. So many of these players, uh, it's not that they don't give a shit about themselves. So they have a lot of obligations. They have mother and fathers to take care of sons and daughters and cousins and uncle and aunt, you know. So quite often these guys play hurt because they ha- they they have a very small choice in the matter. So um, And also the average career is only three years anyway. Yeah. So you got think about this, like you have three years to make all the money you're gonna make in your life. Sure. You know, and that's best case scenario. And I, I have friends, I have friends that play in, in the NFL now, guys that I know and I had a good friend of mine two weeks ago. I wouldn't say, let me not say good friend of mine. A friend of mine, I, I do his charity event every year. And he got carted off on a fucking stretcher Yeah. last week with a neck injury. And I mean, he's finally played this week. But it's like, I mean, that motherfucker is 6'9", 300 pounds. And, and they he, get hurt. And he get, think about <laughs> when you see somebody in a real life that's 6'9", think about how big you would have to be to hurt them. Yes. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's. What they're doing with their bodies. It's unbelievable. It's it, 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 it it's crazy. And, I mean, I think we're also seeing this, the same thing with a lot of the X game stuff, with a lot of the, the mm. half-pipe surfers and things like that. And, uh, those guys that, that get these incredible head injuries, there's a, there's a point that the human body just cannot sustain the injuries that you're giving them. And when you go down a half pipe on a pair of skis mm-hmm. or a ski and you do a 720 and you miss and you catch your you catch your ski on the on the, on the lip of the rim and you smash your head into the ice you're just going to die yeah there's no other nobody's coming to save you there's no medical thing or or best case scenario you're a functioning vegetable sure a shell of your former self so we have to ask ourselves, what's the limit to which we'll ask human beings to push themselves for our entertainment? And anytime we see people getting really fucked up, we have to know that we have a part in that because we watch that. We don't. Once somebody sets a record for doing a hundred foot ju- jump, no one's gonna watch you do a ninety yeah. foot jump again. They want to see a hundred five foot jump. It's, it's, and you know what? It's never enough. 
it's, it's never, never enough. enough. And um, um, and there's never somebody that won't try. And you know, like I say, I I'm I'm fortunately I'm never gonna stop watching it. And and um, I I really watch I love watching football, but god damn you know when, when you when you hear stories of what happened to them and like you hear stories and then you think about how young they are like i mean there was a tight end for the green bay packers that played against my cleveland browns yesterday and uh he just he had a really bad hit and uh me and my friend were texting back and forth who lives in cleveland and mm-hmm. he was like that was ugly and i knew it was ugly too and i mean i get up and i read on espn.com this morning and he's uh he spent the night in the ICU. I mean, this is a fucking 26-year-old yeah. kid. You know, it's like he's got a neck injury, and it's like hopefully it'll be better. But he already missed two games this year. We're talking about Jermichael Finley. Uh, he missed two games already this year with a concussion. So you've already been knocked out to the point where you couldn't do your job for two weeks. Yeah, you didn't even know who you were. Yeah. I mean, that's how hard you get knocked yeah. out. And now you're back in the ICU. Think about that. Think about... If you if 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 I had called you yeah. and told you, Yoshi, I've been in the hospital, I've been hospitalized two times in the last eight weeks for the same thing. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's I don't know what to say to you. You you would tell you you would tell if you love that person, you yeah. tell them to stop. Yeah, for sure. But what do you do? You didn't tell a twenty six year old kid that's like the toast of the town of Green Bay to stop that. And, 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 and do what? And like like what I just said ten minutes ago, like he's gonna hide that pain. You know what I mean? Because he need that he need to keep his position and make that money to support his family. But man, I I know sometimes you hear this horrible story about football players getting away with shit in the highest concussions in the NFL. But there's a lot of good good men, and they continue on day in day out, even though they're hurting their body because. They want to take their mm-hmm. loved ones, you know, and uh, broken bones. It, it's a hard watch. It's a really hard watch, and um, um, I, uh, I I don't know what's the solution, but I I, I wish they, there is a way to do a better protection for them and take care of them after when they retire. You know? Yeah. Um, well, I th- I, th- I do think I mean they're trying for as much as we do complain about when a referee throws a throws a flag for a hard hit. I think it yeah. is is a good thing that they are training these guys to hit differently. And I think if you do tackle the correct way, it will be better. Uh-huh, I mean, yeah. you know, and it's just it's going to be hard. But just like, you know, this league was built on guys get lit up coming over the middle. And I think maybe in 10 years, the thing that will save the game yeah. will be the kids that are in the fourth, fifth grade now that are learning how to tackle guys. Yeah. So they're not just like. I, 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 they don't do. They're they, not. They're, they're not, not hitting head, head, helmet, yeah. to helmet shit. You know. Yeah. yeah, they're just going in and just tackling, which is not going to be as exciting. It's not going to create the fumble and the big hit, and the crowd goes, "Oh shit!" But that guy won't be laid out because the way we're going, somebody's going to die, and everybody fucking knows it. But somebody's uh, going to die very soon. I, I have to say, quick three things about uh, Cleveland Brown because that's your team. And yes, they, they didn't. Then we'll move on. But. Uh, um, I, I, I really love that Lombardi. I I think I believe he's a GM, new GM. Mike Lombardi, yeah. I like love him too. that guy. Me I too. love the guy. I love listening to him, Grantland. Uh all the wishes. I think people in Cleveland are lucky to have him because I think uh he, he, he will be tremendous. I think he wasn't with Cleveland Brown when Bill Belichick. He was, he was. And I think the second time around, but I love he's an incredible football mind. I love listening to him on the radio. I'm very sad I don't hear him anymore, but I think they will turn around. 
I love Coach Holmgren. He's done wonderful things for Seattle Seahawks, but I think I think he was better as a coach. So I think you have a general manager of a highest level. I, I, I think they will turn around. And I also think uh, I, I think it was good that you guys got rid of Terry uh, Richardson. Uh, oh, think, Trent Richardson. Trent yeah. Richardson, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was time. Because I think he stinks. Yeah. And you guys got first round pick. So yeah. I, I think that's a good news uh, for Cleveland. And I hope. I, I'm I'm all big supporter of Con, uh, Secretary uh, Madam Secretary uh, State uh, Condoleezza Rice and uh, I I think um, uh, I just think you know I'm just I just think whenever women really honestly t- telling me the truth they love football it just make ladies I think you're more attractive oh shit yes yeah. that's um, just sexy as fuck yeah and uh, um, you know uh, uh, dictator Gaddafi love uh, we were talking about a good maze got a lot of taste. But she, I love. I, I, a couple times I listened to her t- talk about her beloved Browns, and I'm not a Brown fan, but it, it was like music to my ears, man. She, she she's a bright person. I hope, she, I would love to see her become commissioned NFL. I really do. Hey, I, is she in the running for? Well, I don't think this guy's gonna give up anytime soon. Oh yeah, you know he's, he's Goodell. Yeah, and uh, I took picture with him two years ago. So he was. I I, I would I would say I was very um um, um very thankful. You know, it was so funny. I went to. The, uh, I'm going to finish with this, and we'll go jump into something else because I want to talk about your educational background. It's oh really wow, interesting yeah. to me. And NFL have an NFL draft every year in April in New York City, and they told uh, everyone to be at the uh, 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 the draft pick. Uh, I don't know which theater. Uh, it's in the Upper East Side. Um, so they say nine o'clock. So I show up at eight forty-five. There's the fucking lines of people. There's no way I get. And and um, one of my friend's friend was a security guard. He told me three weeks before when I went to visit Gabriel Iglesias' show. Uh, he said like, if you remember my name, I want my help you. So uh, I remember his name. He took me in front of a line. Everybody complained because they were there all day. And he what this motherfucker told everyone, hey hey hey, it's okay for him to cut, <laughs> cut. Because he's a Jeremy Lin's older brother. Yeah. And they fucking believed him. So they let me cut. I went from number 10,000 to number 20 or something. These motherfuckers been waiting. So I was oh. number 20 to Are get you? in an NFL draft pick where they pick Griffin number two and Andrew Luck number one. And I'm telling you. If you are a football fan, just like if you're a Muslim, you have to go make a once in your life. If you're a football fan, you have to go the NFL draft pick once in your life. It is. It's so fucking exciting now. Is it? It's so exciting. It's. I'm telling you. It's. It was so exciting to go there. And you know, I thought Philadelphia Eagles fans going to be most obnoxious. Guess who was the most obnoxious fans? Giants fans. No, no, no. Pretty close. Pittsburgh. You close, but they're really fucking obnoxious. They obnoxious. Jets. Yes. Holy fuck! They're obnoxious. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I thought Giants fans were obnoxious. They, have fans still? they, they <laughs> Jets fans are massive, man. And and then you would think, you would think Giants would be the bigger obnoxious fan because they just won two Super Bowls in the last five, six years. But Jets, they haven't won shit since Joe Namath. But they are fucking obnoxious. They're so oh. obnoxious. But oh, you have to go. I mean. Really? I'll go. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Do you have to stay overnight because I'm not going to do that? See, that's. You, you know, you're you're a star in comedy. You will find somebody getting you in easily. You know, but if you have a chance to go in without waiting, it it is, it's. It, I'm not gonna. I didn't. I didn't cry when that my dad died. But I I got teary when I went to NFL draft pick. Really? It's 
I mean, Andrew Locke, Griffin. I thought this is this is going to be like match. Magic Johnson's versus Larry Bird of NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, and and and, and you know you don't want to promote hate, but hatred is wonderful thing in sports. And Hate's I, a I, good I, thing. It's a good thing, and like, I I I wish I would have gone second day because they picked Russell Wilson and mm-hmm. for uh, Seahawks, but Kaepernick for San Francisco Forty Nineers. We have a crop of new talent in football. This is going to be exciting years to come, you know. It, That's it, cool. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I love your passion for it, man. man. That's so great. I, I, I feel the same. I love it. I love it so much. I, I I fucking love it. And I'm going to I'm going away to Sweden for three months, but I'm coming back day before Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I could have stayed a little bit longer, but I'm coming back because I watch NFL in Europe, yeah. and I know this is with Europeans, but they don't announce football the way Americans are passionate. You know, like it's just like it, it just makes me sad. How do they say it? Like, it's, just, it's, it's more intellectual and it's very correct. But man, I I, I just love uh you know just American announcers talking about football and uh, John Gruden talking about it. I I, I love it. Uh, uh, why am I forgetting the former Cincinnati Bengal wide receiver? He does uh, Friday Chris Collinsworth. Night. I love listening to that motherfucker talk. I you know I I. I, I I just love this Americans talking about football. I, yeah. I, I really, really love it. And uh, who was the tight end for uh, Baltimore and the uh, Denver Broncos won Super Bowls? Uh, Shannon Sharp. I love oh, that. Yes, yeah, Shannon, Shannon, Shannon. Shannon Sharp. I love that brother talking. Yeah. Giving you the straight I talk. saw him in the airport in Charlotte like four years ago. He's gigantic. He's gigantic, but man, huge. He, huge. He's still in shape. Yeah. I, I just love, <laughs> I, I love, I love Chris Long. I'm so I apologize. Anyone who doesn't live in the state doesn't live in the NFL, but I love Chris Long talking about it. I love Jimmy Johnson talking about football. I I love why my 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 uh, I'm fading from a former uh, four Super Bowl champion from Pittsburgh Steelers. The Terry Bradshaw. I love the I love these guys. Tom Jackson who yeah. used to play for the Broncos. Broncos. Yeah, and uh, you know like, oh man, it's it's. You know what it is? It's like you just you uh. You don't realize it, but these guys' voices become a part of your life. Yeah. You listen to them for years and years. And I remember my friend said uh, one time, because I, I called him, because, like, there's, I, I prom- we'll move on after this. I don't want to lose all anybody because he's talking so much about NFL. But um, my, my, my buddy was like, uh, he, he, you know, because I, t- I called him. I was like, I wish NFL primetime came on. Like, I used to, it used to be uh, – Tom Jackson and Chris Berman. Yeah, Chris Berman. And they Berman. would do their thing, and I was like... By the way, uh, I'm a um, big fan of Chris Berman. I'm sorry to hear his dad passed away a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But yeah, I love... I, I, I just love best. hearing these guys. Yeah, and it was like... My, my, I was like, why don't they fucking do that anymore? He was like, because those guys are old and sleepy. Like, they just like... Those guys got... That's why they don't do prime time. Like, like 10 years ago, it used to be just Tom Jackson yeah. and Chris Berman. And now they kind of intersperse it where they cut... They, they pre-record yeah. the episodes... Cause those guys got older and they get sleepy and they can't stay up at eleven o'clock like after the games and like watch the game. But it's like those guys have just been a part of my life. Like listen to that, listen to that. I, I really feel like they're family members. Oh yeah. I, I, to this day, I still miss John Madden. I love, I love whenever John Madden was like uh, praising Brett Favre. You know. Oh and, yeah. And um, um <laughs> and if if you're Canadians, you love Don Cherry because he is every great football announcer's. Talking about uh, 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 hockey, but Don Cherry has this almost American-like fighting talk. Man, he talk how much about pussy the European hockey players. Yeah, are. <laughs> I just love Don Cherry with his crazy outfit. 
And I, I love Kevin Canaveral, who used to do uh, NBA announcing for Supersonics. I love listening to that guy. And, of course, why am I blanking out with the Dodger announcer? He's been doing it since 50s, man. Oh, uh, you're talking about... Uh, um, why am I, I... I apologize to Dodger fans, but I love this guy. He is Mr. Dodger. And... and uh, um, the older dude. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm drinking so much, I'm, I'm forgetting. But, like, I, I just love hearing these guys talk. Just like all the comedians I grew up loving, like Sam Kennison, Richard Pryor, and I, 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 I love Woody Allen and I love Steve Martin, but the, my, my, my main man was Eddie Murphy because as much as I love Bill Cosby, Eddie Murphy was my guy. Like, you know, I speak broken English. It was even worse in the 80s, but I didn't know what Eddie Murphy was saying 100% of the time. But when I went, when I went see that motherfucker on TV and we skipped some classes in high school, I cry, man. It, yeah. it, it, it made me cry and listen to Eddie Murphy because that red outfit and, and performing in D.C., and he took control of that place. And, you know, now it's not right to say that we're faggot, but when he said it, it was beautiful. When he said motherfucker, nobody said motherfucker better than Eddie Murphy. No one. No one ever said that like that. Like that, people just like to hear him say motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. And when he's saying, like, is there a lot of bunch of 18-year-old guys? Like, By the way, you guys don't know how to fuck. And the whole place go crazy. And I love, I love watching Eddie Murphy and the SNL. I, I, and, you know, I was so young. Um, I'm, This is how dumb I am. I was so young, kid. I only thought Asian people were gang, gang members. I didn't realize until I moved to um, I moved to Washington State in 1980 when my, my family moved to uh, uh, Long Beach, mid-85, where at the peak of crack cocaine epidemic. I didn't, I didn't know... Um, Gang members, black people could be gangs, Latino. I didn't really know because gang, I, I'm Korean living in Japan, so all most Koreans are like gang members because we have less opportunity and things like that. But so I didn't know the gang shit, I didn't know the racism. But when I saw the Eddie Murphy thing where he dressed up as a white person, yeah. so as soon as there was a black person walking out of the bus and Eddie Murphy as a white person was there, all of a sudden there's music, wine, champagne for everybody. <laughs> food and when the Eddie Murphy went to bank as a white person no you don't have to show any uh, credit like yeah. black person walk on, he can, they can borrow any money <laughs> but Eddie Murphy as a white person no question asked this stack of money just here take your white person take <laughs> money I didn't I didn't know the racial shit because I was too young and I didn't sen- I sense that at all but uh, when you watch it man I to this day Eddie Murphy to me is the uh, as much as I love Patricia and Patricia will be a top five comic, but Eddie Murphy is always will be my number one guy because he made me laugh, man. Nobody seriously, n- can you name anyone dominated '80s as well as Eddie Murphy? Not he was, even no. He dominated. He was a teenage boy in SNL. He had two successful um, stand up. He had a musical album. He had Forty Eight Hours. A Beverly Hills Cop coming to America. I mean, I, honestly, I don't. The Golden Child. Golden Child. Maybe guy like Schwarzenegger down in the movie, but he didn't do stand. You know what I mean? Like, Trading o- places. Yeah. Overall, nobody dominated '80s that way Eddie did. I'm mean, honestly, I uh, name. I mean, I love Bill Murphy. I think two most talented person to come out of SNL was Bill Murray and mm. uh, uh, Eddie Murphy, but. But nobody dominated '80s like Eddie. I mean, honestly, not even close. Eight, uh, Forty hours. I, I love that shit. Training and training price was great. But Beverly Hills Cop, you know, and the way he laughs is so iconic. And, and to me, Eddie Murphy likes like 
Bill Parcel of coaching tree because underneath uh, Bill Parcel you had guys like John uh, Coughlin, you have Bill Belichick. Underneath uh, Eddie Murphy you have Chris Rock. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all the black all the, talent. Martin came, Lawrence, all those guys. Yeah, that, all yeah. those. It will never be repeated. And anyone who talk uh, shit about Eddie Murphy saying he, he hasn't been having good years, it's like saying Michael Jar- uh, Michael Jordan's been having problems as a, a president of South Carolina. Like, give that guy a break. He was MVP how many times? He won six championships. And no one dominates. Judge, judge him on his career. Not career, his... yeah, he's he, he's uh, incredible. Now, if you're gonna judge Michael Jordan for not being a charitable guy, yes, maybe, maybe, in in that respect, he can't compete with Magic Johnson because yeah. Magic has not intercepted. Doesn't, yeah, Michael doesn't give a fuck. fuck yeah, <laughs> but, but but to be fair, he might be donating money uh, 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 anonymously. We don't know that. Maybe, yeah, you know. And you're Cleveland fan, and so Mr. Uh, 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 Brown, uh, Mr. Running Back. Why am I blanking out so much? Jim Brown. Jim Brown. He's got to be top three greatest NFL player because when that guy was a running back, and those of you who don't know. It's an offensive player when quarterback will give the ball to running back. He run across that motherfucker run over people. I mean, I was I wasn't around, but I've seen clip. He yeah. ran over people, man. He was like tank. He really. <laughs> he, he ran over the motherfuckers and like. I love Sean Alexander who played for Seattle Seahawks, but he has a tendency to run aside. He doesn't want to get hit. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Brown loved to get hit. <laughs> he hit people, man. He, I mean, what was it like? Six foot two, six foot three. He's a yeah. big dude. He has the quickness, speed. And he ran over the fuckers, man. They had no chance. No chance. And uh, um, you know, so um, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I think I'll, um, um, we, we should talk because. I, I, I probably should talk maybe 15, 20 minutes because we're only at two hours and 15 minutes, Mark. Are we really? Yeah, here? yeah. Oh, my God. I but, 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 but I don't care. Yeah. Um, Al, you can't. <laughs> no, no, that was. Al, 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 I didn't realize Al, we were 215 in. Oh, uh, I, I want to talk to academic background, but I, I come from. Uh, 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 I want to say this kind of because we should say something funny. Um, me and my friend Tina Manus, half Samoan, half white person, we are a big supporter of African American in the porno business. And quite often, they don't get the credit that they get. And then I think Pookie, uh, he runs the uh, Chocolate Sundays. At right, Black Pookie Factory. Wigginton. Yeah, very nice guy. But he kind of laughed when I say, Pookie, don't you think when we have African History Month, we should praise the contribution that black people have made in porn? He kind of laughed, but he he's a classy guy. He didn't laugh. But I, I, I'm <laughs> telling you, uh, when Tana and I had to give credit to Tana when when we work at the porn shop in, in Seattle, Washington, um, the owners are white or Jewish and they didn't understand like why would anybody buy uh, interracial porn? And when they say interracial, they basically talk about anything with white and black. They don't consider black uh, Asians and Latino as interracial, but they they consider wow. interracial like black and white. And um, so like, believe me, you want to have a black performance? I said there's so much prejudice even porn. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is something I talked to Lexington Steele, Jake Steed, uh, Mr. Marcus, Ginny Pepper's one of uh, dear friend of mine. She was one of the great performers in uh, African American, and she was amazing. And she got a lot of trouble because she did a scene where two white guy in KK outfit was fucking her and stuff like that. Wow! But um, once soon as Tana put these videos where interracial shit was in. They sold like crazy. You know who buys international porno? 
Why doctors? Why lawyers? Why engineers? Why accountants? Why professional people? Because people always want things they can't have, and they'd love white guy fucking their wives or black women fucking white guys. And and there was a huge money, and 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 people uh, who ran the porn company didn't appreciate that. But b- believe me, there was a market for it. That's for sure. Can I interrupt this for yeah. a second? We should you should call this episode three beers because it fucking took such a fucking turn in the last like. But no, I mean you know I I I, I the reason why it, it feels like we didn't talk that long because I, it's really fun talking to Al and uh, his uh, you know you know people I don't. Uh, I hope this is the first of many ones I do it. But, oh yeah, um, um, I would love um, to come back, man. And um, um, yeah, I mean, man, Shawn Michael, much love for you. The, the, these guys, you got so much more respect. Um, there's a lot, you know, they should got way more awards. It's, 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 it, I'm not even joking when I say this. It's like Sacho Page in baseball, Jackie Robinson for baseball. You I know, can't imagine Bob Gibson, who you I know what I mean. Like, doing what they do. That's crazy. I have they, they, these it's, guys, these guys have put so much time and effort, and people take it easy to fucking camera. It's not, and, and uh, these guys, I have a lot of love for. Respect. What do you think allows people to be able to fuck on camera? Like, what, what is that that allows you to do that without even being like? It's different if it's like your camera where you're like, all right, if yeah. this sucks, that yeah, I guess so. Just a yeah. supreme exhibitionist, yeah. And you know, here's another thing. Like, I'm, uh, I'm a good friend with Justin Slayer. He used to be uh, a part of the company. I used to work for Evil Angel. And Justin comes from ver- a pedigree family, many athletes. I think one of his uncle even uh, uh, play, uh, uh, competed in the Olympics and such. And um, um, and I have to say, when Justin was pr- fucking those movies, uh, it was like an Olympian. Uh, he, that was he, he he was great. I I I, I love watching it and. Uh, um, but one time I was talking to him, and this isn't one thing about black people are sexually very healthy, but black people in general are not perverted. Very true. Even in stand-up, black people don't let don't give you a whole lot of leeway in terms of like black crowds won't let you make like a joke about like so I'm banging this kid or something like that. Would like no, you there there'll be none of that. Yeah. Because I I, I, used, I used to say I used to do a lot of uh. Uh-huh. I still do a lot of pedophile jokes. Uh, <laughs> I, I do, but black people and Latinos n- never, never laugh at pedophile jokes. Whereas white people uh, laugh at pedophile jokes because white people fuck kids, and it's, it's yeah. true. Like mo- a lot of the pedophile you see are white, and uh, uh, that's why I used to say that's why Michael Jackson changed his white ways white because yeah. you know, I mean th- that's the kind of I mean you know I, I there's a little dig on Michael, but. Um, <laughs> But, but 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 pedophilia it's 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 really not a black a Latino thing, you know. Like but being perverted porn is usually white guys and Japanese. No, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Well, partly because because I mean, I, I, let me be blunt. Like a lot of Asian guys do not have dicks like black guys, so they, they have to take another level by being perverted. And black black guys, are, I mean, Justin Slayer was telling me like. Black guys have a healthy appetite for sex, but he even told me like he doesn't really like doing scene with another guy, you know. Because he wanted to just fuck multiple girls, but he said it's always weird trying to put a dick in an asshole, which he doesn't problem with another guy, put it in there. And white Europeans are very comfortable with that. They love. What is uh, what is his ethnicity? Justice Lair? Yeah. Black. Oh, okay. 
and 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 he's from uh, Atlanta, and uh, he love fucking girls, but yeah, like even me, like that's really I don't mind sticking and digging a girl's ass, but like not with another guy's dick. You know what I mean? Like what, what? because you could still feel it, even if it's like even if you guys are in your own <laughs> separate <laughs> compartments. Yeah, even though you're fucking a girl, I I can't focus. I'm thinking like, I'm touching some guy's dick. But, um, and then you, also, you're like kind of touching his leg. Your leg yeah. is touching his leg, and you gotta be like a guy that like doesn't give a fuck. Like I care. Like and, I would have no of, interest in that. A lot of the white Europeans don't give a fuck, and uh, I love us. I love my friend uh, uh, Steve Holmes, German guy. I love the guy. I have a lot of respect for him. He's one of the most perverted guy, and the, the most perverted guy ever. By according to you know. It's like if you ask a bunch of a, a basketball expert who's the greatest player, they will say Michael Jordan. If you ask all the perverted directors in porno, there's always one name uh, <laughs> pop up out of all of them. He's His that. name is Jamie Gillis. Jamie Gillis is such an influential guy in porn. Uh, uh, fascinating. I'm telling you, when I when, when I meet Jamie uh, uh, Jamie Gillis one time. I'm not kidding. It's like Billy Crystal meeting Mickey Mantle. <laughs> I got, I, I, I got, I got fucking tear. He is the most perverted guy. Like one time, this girl while he was fucking her, he's she said, "I need to go to the bath. I, I have no. She have to shit." And and he goes, "Fine, but make sure you when you come back, don't wipe your asshole, right?" Because he eats shit. When I say eat shit, like when I eat shit during stand up comedy, I do really bad. When Jamie Gillis say he eats shit, I mean he eats. Shit. Shit. He eats shit. I'm not kidding. He eats shit. Black people, guarantee not into eating shit. Latino, not eating shit. Asian people, except Japanese, but German and, and Japanese. I I just spoke at Ars Electronica. It's a conference about high tech and, and, and sex. And my dad always wanted me to be a professor. I never became a professor, but I was speaking two Sundays ago. I was and people were taking notes when I was speaking at this fucking sex and high tech conference. <laughs> I was explaining to them the difference between German and Japanese shit porn, and they're, they're, they're taking lecture. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, Daddy. They were actually they're taking lecture like I'm a fucking professor. Dude, you've got to do this on stage. This is no, I did. I, mean, I was giving lecture like Germans like little chunky shit kind of stuck on your body, like a little chunky monkeys. Believe me, black people walk. Black people walk out of the audience. All the white people are taking notes, like I'm a professor. But Japanese like those frisbee shit, like kind of slippery, kind of bounce off of your chest. I'm not even kidding. That's the big difference. Have you seen somebody eat shit before? I have. I've been to those places. I've been to Germany. I would pass out, son. I might I've, pass out like a woman that saw a mouse in the black kitchen. Black people say, <laughs> they just run." I'm just like. I was amazed that you could shoot shit, you know. Wait, uh, you don't throw it up? Like I would think you throw it, it up. It, or it, it's it's in the it's in the it's in the bondage. It's like a humiliation. Thing. It's a power thing. So, yeah, I I I've I've seen people eat shit. I've been I I I I go gay bar with my friend. I'm not gay, but I I I've had people come and say, "Hey, let me drink your piss." And like they will take these guys will take you in the bath and piss into their mouth. And I think it's kind of funny if I piss in somebody's mouth. I just couldn't. I can't piss. I can't even piss when the guy's standing next to me. You know. Yeah. But uh, I would. It would be impossible. Yeah. I'd, I'd have so, to like so, uh, close my eyes and thinking about being in a hot bath or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I've seen. Right I've. I, oh. 
if you ever do if you ever go to berlin germany and you want to go uh 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 oh, what 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 why am i uh kick cat club that fucking club in berlin anything goes i mean when i say anything goes fucking anything you want to bring a german shepherd and fuck the dog in the ass anything goes <laughs> i like first of all this is how you know anything goes it's because that was the first example he asked <laughs> not even like do you want to fuck two chicks it's like hey do you want to bring a yeah. yeah like yeah <laughs> i had people like pull their dick and a girl giving him a blowjob in the middle of bar i mean you know because i've i've seen some crazy weird shit you know so um I'm, but that's why I'm, I'm. That's why I'm more tolerant, and, and porn made me more tolerant gay people because once I got to know them, I, I I understand their desire. Like, hey, I like to fuck a young girl in the ass too, but these guys want to fuck young guys in the ass. Well, like after one, like you know what? I don't. I, I can't judge anymore because they just have a same feeling. It's just they want to simulate this feeling with another guy. I don't understand it, but uh, I mean, it, I worked in the strip club, and like the one thing that comes to mind, like the grossest thing I saw. <laughs> was I, I saw a girl pull her tampon out and throw it at another yeah. girl. That's gross. I can't imagine what he's seen. And well, that's you know, like I, in a strip club. Like I, that's I'm sure like some guy was working on a hard on, and he's like, "Well, that's gone." Yeah. Shit. That's so. Uh, next time you see African American in porno, you know, if you ever see them, I say hello. Be nice to them. They're working in business. There's still racism, man, because uh, there's certain girls, you know, will not fuck black guy in front of a camera. I mean, some I think some of them probably fuck them uh, not in front of the camera, but because there's stigma to him, like, come on, we have a black president. You can't even you can't even fuck a black guy. You know what I, I mean? Want like, my dad to see me fuck <laughs> <a black> guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now for this bukkake scene. Yeah, yeah I mean. Are there some girls that just do like one thing? Like some girls just do bukkake, or if is is it kind of like if you do bukkake, then you do like? Do you know like uh, do you know like uh, do you like the girls like Annie Cruz and stuff like that? It seems like she does like a lot of different shit. Well, you, you know what happened? I think is you're new, and whenever you're new, you could be picky and choosy. But eventually, if you've done too many movies, people get tired of you. And only way they, they it's like Michael Jordan getting older. Once when he got older, he played it smarter. Maybe he does more jump shot. You know, you gotta change your game when you get older. Yeah. Like twenty six year old girls are considered as a fucking milf. Like, are you fucking kidding me? A uh, milf? Yeah. I mean, like my, my friend Sheriff Reddy, she was telling me she's like twenty five or twenty six. She's considered as a milf. You know. So ga- game has changed. And not, just like football, it's more passing game than what it was. Yeah. Like if you play fantasy football, you know, ten years ago you make more points by running back. Ooh. Things have changed. Quarterback and wide receiver. So even porn things have changed. So uh, I think once you become too popular and you've done a lot of stuff, only way you keep yourself relevant is like you change. Like you do more anal, you do you do prolapse, you fuck black guys, you do trannies, you do gangbang. You know. But you, but you have no choice. They've made it a genre. Sure. It's a subgenre. So you 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 have to reinvent yourself in, in, in a porn. And then let me pause again. Okay, uh, we're back. I'm sorry. I had to piss again. We're drinking a lot. And um, um, so uh, I, I I'm very confident in Al that uh, I know he's going to do a wonderful job raising his son, a wonderful Elijah. 
And mm-hmm. I, 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 this is one thing really fucking pissed me off growing up in Bremerton, Washington. I grew up with a wonderful uh, black family, Patton. My friend uh, Fred Patton, uh, LJ, Lars, Kyle, and Venetia. They're a wonderful uh, family. And, um, you know, their mother grew up in Louisiana and uh, in, as a black person in Louisiana. And then, I mean, she told me some crazy ass racism down there. And uh, raising five kids. It, it's not easy, uh, Mr. Pan, Fred Pan, Mr. Pan, somebody I love and respect, and always been nice to me as growing up. He he was he worked for Navy, and and uh, you know when you work for government, you don't make the, a lot of money. So and, and there was a lot of uh, uh, problems my family, and uh, it was very sad. And um, when I used to drive to Pan's family and hang out a couple of days when I'm driving out of Bremerton, Washington. I'm not kidding. This this is like 20 years ago. Even in the early 20s, driving out of there and I had to go back to my family. I I I would cry back to um, yeah, to Tacoma, because even with uh, you know what raising five fa- uh, kids and, uh, and there's some two more uh, father and son, uh, they did a wonderful job raising. And I asked Mrs. Patton one time, and she told me, well, Mrs. Patton, how how is it that you know it's it's difficult to raise family of seven and you were able to you know send uh your daughter's a professor at purdue you you kyle went to brown university fred went to santa Clara and uh, got a master's degree in this and that and computer scientists and one of the uh someone who could read tsls poetry and do computer science and lj is very successful and, and work with the uh, high-risk kids and and Lars, uh, he he became vice president of Fujitsu and then working for startup. Well, how how did you guys manage to raise such a wonderful kids and send them have a, such a high success rate? And she just told me, my husband and I we made a decision. The num- most important thing uh, in our life is kids, and number two was our kids, and number three. You get that idea. That was the number one thing. They nothing factor in, and like their personal happiness then really matter. And uh, wow. it's making that kind of commitment. That's why. That's why um, the Patton family are successful. And when I went to their Thanksgiving family, their cousin, <laughs> their Patton's cousins was great. You know, he, they're doctors, and there's picture of them with Obama, and like they're they're, they're living a very exclusive area in Silicon Valley too. You know, it's like every one of them like you and I were a big fan of Boardwalk Empire, right. and this season, you know, you have this. Uh, what's the word the guy keep using? Jeffrey Wright, like Libyan. Oh, and uh, uh, Libyan. 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 This podcast needs some Adderall, man. This conversation went from eating shit to uh, <laughs> talking about endearment uh, to a family that you would get teary eyed about as a young child. It, 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 it's it, 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 it's it's how it's, we roll. It, 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 it's 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 because when when you hear stuff like that, you don't give them credit because when I went to Harlem the first time, I'm like. God damn! When you see like Malcolm X Boulevard and Marcus, uh, 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 Gravy or Gavy, uh, um, uh, you know he, 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 you know these, these, you know like, I didn't know any of that stuff. I just I'm always been a history buff and I love reading about it. And and and, and I didn't learn from school. But when you read stuff like that, I I, I think problem stereotypes, exaggeration, truth. So when quite often when you watch news, you hear the trouble with. You know, drive by shooting at this and like that, but they don't. They don't get any. Of, they don't get my friend Pat's family don't get any credit at all. Yeah. You know, and like you and your family don't get credit at all. And I think going back to your son Elijah, I know you're going to teach your son that being smart doesn't mean why. Being smart means being smart. 
Right. You know, and, and like Asian people, it's, 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 because there's been history of deprived. Yeah. Depriving them, and I remember Autobiography and Malcolm X. Like I, I, I feel his frustration because he was the smartest kid in the class. And one time they were asking questions like, "What do you want to be good?" Like the, 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 he was the only black kid in the class. But one, one, one of the white kids was like, "Doctor, lawyer, this and that." And I think Ma- uh, Malcolm said he he wanted to become um, a doctor, something, some professional thing. And the teacher said, "You have to be more realistic." Well. Yeah. When you say stuff like that, what, why would you? Why you don't have incentive to study hard? Because even if you start hard and got best grade, what she did, you're not if, going to. You know, if you know no like one you, thinks that you can do it, I mean, they're constantly or, or allow you. you to do it, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, I know, I, I know that the, the you know, uh, I, I, I didn't. I'm not too crazy about this privacy violation of President Obama's. Uh, uh, policies. I don't know if he was. I'm sure he was uh, practiced before. So I don't like some of the policy, but I think having President Obama is it's a good thing to for minorities to look up and say, you know, that there's a give people hope, you know, and and um, you have a very interesting background because um, you went to school in Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi. Yep, Mississippi. Yep. How do you pronounce that school again? Tougaloo. I went to Tougaloo College in Jackson. It's a private school, but really, is it a religious school? Uh, yeah, it's a it's Brit- a Christian. It's a Christian school, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, uh, not, but not. I feel like maybe I was so naive. Maybe because I told you I was raised in a religion-free society that, like, I'm in From society education it, 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 with yeah. my with my mom. Like, I mean, my mom went to church, but she never forced me to. So yeah. I didn't. So I think maybe it was more of a Christian school than I realized it was. But, like, I mean, there would be meetings at the chapel, like the church chapel. Uh, not all the time, but there would be on occasion. Um, but I just, you know, I never I, I, I never took it as that. I just took it as, like, a small, tiny school in, yeah. in this sleepy city in the south, you know? So what was it like going to school there and compare that to when you went to Brown, which is uh, Ivy League? Right. I, I, in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, I going to school in Mississippi was perfect for somebody like me. So you went from Cleveland, which is way up in northern Ohio. Right. You went to Mississippi, no, right? Yeah, northeast Ohio to the south in Jackson and it was a complete culture shock. It was a complete people spoke differently, their cadence was different, the the, the speed in which they spoke was differently. Uh things they valued in terms of uh fraternities and sororities was mm-hmm. much different. Um would would you want for your son to go to bl- all black school? Oh shit. Well, let's say he, he, uh, let's say he has a uh, old black school, or if you have opportunity, let's say go to Harvard or Stanford. Oh well, then that's not even close. I would want him to go to Harvard or Stanford. I mean, I would think if he if he if it was between him going to an all black school or a comparable white school, yeah. maybe like a smaller white school, yeah. like I don't know. I, I can't, there's a lot like Ashland University or something like that. Yeah. There's a billion schools like that. I mean. My 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 problem with black colleges, yeah, and uh, I don't I don't have any bones in saying this, is that the focus there when I went there, which was uh, the mid to late nineties, I went from ninety five to ninety nine. The focus, unless you really truly stay focused, is not on education. It has it sounds fucked up. It. I'm talking about in terms of like what the students valued. Sure. It's very much still a culture of like 
for a lot of fraternity and sorority sure. stuff. Not even so much. I mean, people were drinking, but like not yeah. like that. And it was weirdly, it wasn't even the athletics with black colleges. It's more the band than the actual athletic. The band is the star more than the football team is. And I'm sure you probably saw about uh, was it 30 for 30 or something ESPN? They were beating the shit out of these player uh, band members. Did you yeah, see that one? yeah. I didn't, I didn't see it, but I read about they it. Kill, they the killed one of the kids. The kid that they killed. They said I read the, the this kid at uh, Florida A and M. He was um, getting beat by uh, two by four. Or yeah, he, right? he was a band member, and he was the, uh, the the to to get into the band fraternity. You had to. I don't know what the name of it was, but you had they to do go the same shit with gangs. Like you have to get beating for two yeah, or some shit. Yeah, like well, that. with them that you had to go from the front of the bus to the back of the bus, and everybody's and they, hitting you. They were hitting you with like instruments and punches and things like that. And this kid that they um, that they killed, they said by the time he got to the to the actual back, um, they said he uh, the 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 coroner said his his internal organs were liquefied, like destroyed his spleen his pancreas was unrecognizable i mean they destroyed this was this was a beating that they put on this kid and it's like you, can't, you, this can't, is, you can't even believe the pictures when you see them no and it's like this is the fucking band like i pledged a black fraternity when i was in college yeah um the guy in front of me uh had his arm broken uh the year before i went Jesus um, they were they were hitting us every day, and it's just like that shit affected my grades. It affected uh, how I felt about school. And I saw I saw girls that pledged sororities. If they were not accepted for some reason, those girls were just harassed. They were made fun thing, of. They were ostracized. If we're we trying to be fair. We don't want to say it's because it's a black fraternity. I think white fraternity is some fucked up shit too. You know. Yeah, but it's different. It's different in that white fraternities. First of all, those things end right after you leave school. Yeah. For the most part, you don't really hear too many white guys getting together like twenty years later to do their frat stuff. Uh, uh, black sororities and fraternities are different in that they go on f- in perpetuity. Like you'll always, Is that right? oh yes, like some of the guys that would be pledging that. us, yeah, were fucking my age and older now. That'd be like me showing up on a college campus and pledging a kid that's twenty years younger than me. Yeah, you know, it's like it's a it's a it's a serious serious thing, and that's what that's what I'm saying. It's different in terms of it's not just like a white fraternity be like, oh, you got to drink out of the keg and you got to fucking black fraternities are rooted in fear. And beatings. Wait, so did you stay? I did it all the way up until I went to Brown. I see. But I didn't. I didn't quit. The guy I was. I was with only one other guy, and um, he eventually crossed and became the fraternity that we were pledging. But it's like the. I just remember the fear and the thing is for with me is my roommate was one of the guys that was pledging us, so it was just like oh, it was it was a constant every day like. Just imagine getting down with class and then being like, "Do, do you?" Because ha- you would have to buy these guys beer and check in after you know before you went to meet up with them. So they would take they would take us down to like um, they would it would always be a different location, but they take us down to like uh, like some kind of like aqueduct, sure, or some kind of like weird remote 
place. And and I mean, this is like we're in Los Angeles right now. We're talking about Mississippi in the nineties, dude, and midnight. I mean, you go five miles any direction, it's pitch black, dude. So they would just pull their cars around and just turn their headlights on and it would just be me and this one guy and they would make us go through all our pledges and all this kind of shit and all this stuff. And then they would just like, if we fucked up, like they would beat one of us in front of the other one and vice versa. And and this is, this went on for months for months. And that's why people get fucking killed. That's why when I heard this kid get killed, I was like, yeah, yeah, of course he did. I, I hope your son never joined that shit. These are drunk 19-year-olds holding on to the one thing. They're like, because it, what happens is it builds on itself. Just imagine if, like, just imagine if I was, I had the Al Jackson fraternity and I wanted to <laughs> yeah. fuck, and Eric wanted to join. So I was like, oh, okay. All right, Eric, you want to join? Well, to join, I get to smash you over the head with this beer bottle. And you're like, all right, fuck it. And you let me hit you over the head with this beer bottle. And now he's in the Al Jackson fraternity. And now the next year, Yoshi wants to join. And you're like, you're and not. And he didn't remember how much he suffered. Yeah, so he's going to yeah, make me and, suffer even yeah, more. Yeah, he's not like, you're not doing a beer bottle. We're doing a champagne bottle for you, <laughs> motherfucker. So, the, yeah, so you're getting the fucking champagne bottle. So you're like, these fucking dudes hit me with a champagne bottle. Somebody comes behind you, and you're like, I'm hitting this dude with a bat. And then you kill him. And then everybody's like, well, what the fuck? It's like, no. You knew three years ago that I hit Eric Absolutely. with that bottle, and you did nothing, and you let it progress to the point where you have a dead fucking seventeen-year-old on your fucking campus, and you throw your hands up like, and the the whatever the 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 president of uh, Florida and M said he didn't know that there was any hazing going on. Oh, I think the devil should have jumped up from the and been like, "Are you fucking? Did you just say that?" Everyone from the cook to the um. If if you didn't know, you're incompetent. Uh, yes, every it's a thing. It's just it's n- it's no different than saying that you need to know that comics have to submit a tape to get on late night. Yeah. It's just a thing that everybody knows no. that happens. It's not an even up for debate. So it's like th- that's why I I would I think the values. I think black colleges started for the right reasons. Black students could not get into white universities. Yeah. And we needed a way to better ourselves and further education. And what happened was, for whatever reason, and I, 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 dare, I don't dare to pontificate it now with the four beers, but <laughs> I don't. I can't even say it, that word. It, it, got, it, 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 drift, it drifted into this place where it wasn't, because initially black fraternities were like those are the doctors and lawyers on campus sure. that were d- d- running charitable organizations and trying to you know get things going right and it and it devolved into just fucking assholes do, do, just do, brutal assholes can i give me an analogy because uh, uh because of discrimination baseball used used to have negro league and they had some unbelievable talent mm-hmm. who were underutilized because they were not allowed to play Major League Baseball. But once they were integrated, it hurt the uh, Negro League because obviously all the best players would go uh, Major League. So there was a time where it's discrimination was so high, many black people couldn't go to, the, like, I don't know, Harvard and places mm-hmm. like that. But once they were allowed to do it, do you, do you know what I mean? Analogy I'm here. That you, is... That is the most it, perfect analogy. Do you think it hurt the black college because now they're probably losing 
some of the best and brightest because you know it it does and it's like this is like look i'm not talking shit about the school that i went to because a school like tougaloo was how can i put this if you think like a turkish basketball player player. yeah it really (laughs) it really does it sounds exactly like when i was like you watch one of those europa leagues uh, spurs or something yeah another three point by tougaloo yeah yeah, go ahead Yeah, it's, I don't want to bash them because no, it, it, it's it, not it, bad. I mean, first of all, the they, they help a lot of people. I don't, you know, but um, you know what it is. But it's, I hate hearing stories like that, man. Like they're picking on the weak. It is, and that's what it is. And, and more than anything, it's not. It's if you think Tougaloo, I think about it as like this is going to sound super offensive, mm-hmm. but I will complete this thought. Okay, Tougaloo is like. A homeless shelter for people, black students coming out of college. Mm-hmm. In that, you have some people that hit a homeless shelter because they're like, I worked at GM, my daughter got MS, I sure. didn't have insurance, my sure. wife lost her job, things happened, and we're here. Uh, I have uh, an electrical engineering degree. You get on your knees, sure. you get on your feet, and you move on. That's one part of welfare homelessness the other part is just like i'm a person that's out of my mind yeah and have no business on a college campus and i'm also here so you get it's almost like we almost kind of use the star wars analogy before where it's like that cantina where it's like it's where everybody goes and then some people go off to a better galaxy and then some people just are shitty 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 bounty hunters you know what i'm saying and like low level bounty hunters it's like that that's what tougaloo was like it was like my roommate um who i haven't spoken to in years was people throw the word around genius i've only used the word genius with him and my grandfather that got two phds Mm -hmm. before he was 16 my roommate was a real genius, the real kind. People throw yeah. that around like us. Sure. He was a he 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 mastered information in a way that I've never seen before. He, I don't. He did exceptionally well in the MCAT. He, I'm sure he's do, somewhere doing something great. And that's, that's we, a test for medical school, right? Yeah. For medical school, yeah, mm-hmm. medical college admissions test. And we were in a dorm with fucking animals. Sorry, yeah. These guys were breaking into people's rooms. These guys were, you know. Shoving comic books in toilets and and shitting in them, and then across the hall from us is my f- friend Howard, who I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. But I'm I the last time I spoke with him, he had published three he three uh three books. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's put three to seven more out. He's a professor now. Sure. My other friend Malcolm, those across the halls, was a professor at UCLA. Uh, clinical psychologist, like he told me, always would sure. be the guy across the hall from us. My good friend Nairi uh, is a father of four, and uh, has been a uh, been a teacher in Washington D.C. D. So it's like the black colleges. I don't, I don't like. I, I feel like the white at white colleges. There's not this gradient of like great students, and then people that will literally be in jail. Sure. In five years, in jail, not to make an uh, make a juxtaposition, literally be behind bars, across the hall from somebody that will be 
giving a talk on C-SPAN. Right. And that's that's the different that's that's what's going on at black schools and you have to make sure that you don't fall I saw so many girls fall into uh a pattern of of negativity mm-hmm. and, and, and it's like and I'm not I don't want to paint a morbid picture cuz it's not I mean it's a lot of great people that I met sure. so many people at Tougaloo that changed my life but when I went to Brown and like I saw students leaving their door unlocked I was like, what the fuck what? is going on? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful campus too. Yeah, it's be- It's just like, and just to see the diversity and yeah, and and, and see how everybody interacts. And obviously, I don't want to compare Brown to Tougaloo because it's not fair, right? You know, cause like, uh, you know, I make a joke on stage that like that my roommate was rich, and I make a joke about that. But it's like I can't. Those aren't the same facilities, but. From 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 concrete, a rose can grow. Sure, you know. Um, so you had a good, a, a great experience. The one year you went to uh, Brown, then changed my life, man. It it showed me, it showed me that people like it sounds really stupid, but I was just like around young young people my age, and I was like, I want to be like them. Yeah, you know, it made me want to be better. And that happened to me to a lesser extent in Tougaloo where I was just like, because I was a knucklehead in high school. And I was the worst kind of knucklehead because I wasn't the like, let's go fight after the football game knucklehead yeah. or let's go fuck some girls or let's go get drunk. I didn't do anything, which yeah. is, I was just a loser, you know, like, in a way, like I just sat, I don't, I think, I, I think that's probably true for a lot of teenage kids. You I know? didn't know yeah. what the fuck was going yeah. on, Yoshi. I was just sitting there. I was like, I don't know what. To really, I'm doing with school. I don't know what I want to do. I'm not a great athlete. I'm not a huge ladies man. I don't know what the fuck is going on. But so Al, I just sat there. But Al, I I, I look at you today. Um, you're gonna do one one hour special within six months or whatever it is, coming this year. Knock on wood. Yes. And a uh, beautiful wife and your your son, such a happy kid. Yeah. He could do cereal commercial. Yeah, he's, he's a cute yeah, little he's a cute kid. And if, uh, and your wife told me she studied Japanese in uh, college and like she was telling me like your your son is picking up way quicker, quicker than she is and that that'll be amazing. You know. Yeah. Um, um, I mean. <laughs> I, there's a show called. There was a show ten years ago called uh, "What What the Hell Is Wrong with You Japanese People." It was a show full of foreigners who spoke fluent Japanese, complaining about Japanese people. Yeah, it's hilarious. But the ones that made me laugh was um, African, and they're African from Africa speaking uh, Japanese fluently, but they're able to rhyme the Japanese language like not even like Japanese. You know when yeah. you listen to Jesse Jackson, but yeah. he, there's a way he's saying words like, like the flow. cadence, yeah, cadence, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, god damn, he he was doing it in Japanese, you know. But the, I, I I highly recommend you you know you and your wife um, uh, make a little bit of sacrifice and send that kid every Saturday to Japanese school. That'd be badass. That'd be super <laughs> dope. Be like, this is my kid. Do you speak Japanese? Absolutely, do not. Yeah. It's weird because it's like uh, I I got him like a plastic snake. I I was in Chicago this week performing. I came back and I brought him like a plastic snake, and I was like, you know, I I was like, guess what I got for you? I was like, it's um it's in my suitcase. It's uh it's plastic and it has no feet or no legs. And he was like, I don't know what the word for it in Japanese. He said, like, what's the word for snake in Japanese? Hebi. 
Heavy, yeah. yeah. He was like, is it a heavy? And I was like, no, it's a snake. And he was like, I said heavy. I was like, it's a snake. Because I'm, I'm stupid. I'm from, I was like, heavy means snake in Japanese. I was like, okay, you're five. Shut up. But we had this conversation this today. But it's like, you know, um, my, uh, y- you know, my... That's a good age, isn't it? Five? It's a great age, man. Because they're not teenagers, but they're still love, enthusiastic thing. And... um. I forget, you know. I'm 44, so uh, I, I was excited. Are you serious? I'm 44. I get excited coming to this, but it's nothing compared to kid because your son ran, <laughs> went through, you know, went to the bunkers, uh, I mean, uh, uh, bunks, and uh, going to the back room, and like it's really fun because you know his head is like uh, like a sponge sucking every knowledge, every experience, you know. Mm, that's not the only sucking that's happened back there. <laughs> <laughs> But but you know I I, I just hope uh, um, I hope he has uh, all the education opportunity and you know I'm very proud of being show business even though I I make shit money I don't make any money doing it but I, I really have fun. But do you realize that everybody loves you? And and, and well, do you re- no no no. But take uh, a second and acknowledge that some some people. But I I I have made a lot of enemies. Believe me. But I. It it would be fun. You know what's so great about it? Because I, I I was talking to a couple, bunch of my comedians from the kids. It's so my friend Andrew Salukas. I had a, a daughter like she's almost like a year and a half. It's fun to see my friends with kids because those kids gonna mingle with those kids. Yeah, you like know, showbiz but, uh, kids. They're huh? gonna be showbiz kids, but they're gonna be funny, funny kids. Yeah, and they're gonna have more opportunity that their parents ever had you know like when I see my friend Russell Peters and if you don't know him I, re- I really want you to meet Russell Peters you guys will hit it off I never thought that motherfuckers are going to have a kid but mm-hmm. he really changed kids having kids I know it's a it's a cliche but it really changed I mean Russell was always been a great guy but it really made him a better person and instead of like Looking for whores after Sunday show, he he go right back to home and, and you know want to spend time with the kid. Like it's it's uh it's unbelievable. Well, but listen, man, I'm gonna tell you this because I was such a y'all y'all do it. Let me finish it. Uh, I I I honestly, man, having a wife and kids, that is saved my life, man. Yeah, because bad. your wife is beautiful, and sweet. She's a great girl, and we're. It's just like you know, it, it saved my. Real life and my career life, be, because it doesn't it doesn't sound like anything to anybody. It's like, oh, who cares? But your focus when you're off the stage and you're a comic who's impulsive. When you're an impulsive person that can do some yeah. things, that's a terrible thing. And I'm not even fucking famous. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? When you're a person that can be like. I want two girls in my room in the next 20 minutes and you can get that shit done yeah. or I need an eight ball of blow and then I need that another one after lunch and you don't have anybody that loves you enough to be like, hey, man, it's a little fucked up. You know, you know what helps you get over that is going and reading to your kid's second grade class. You know what I'm saying? And like it sounds super corny, but that shit pulls you together as a dude because you're constantly trying to prove to yourself that you've made it. You're like, look, I'm not a dickhead. I can fuck girls. I go to a bar and and the owner knows me and he gives me free shots. It's like, that's not cool. What's cool is picking your kid up from school 
and finding out how his day was and your kid looking at you in your eyes and you're sober and you're clear headed and he knows that his dad loves him. That's that's fucking cool. The bar shit and the club shit and the whores and the blow, that shit is fake. It's fake and and, and people don't don't realize it until it's too late. And all of a sudden, all those people they thought they were friends, when they run out of dough, they're like, "Hey, man, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you." Your kid will never fucking say that to you. And, and now I have to say, um, um, your son's very lucky to have you as a father, and uh, I, I was very lucky to have you on the show. I'm drunk I, on a Monday. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I literally have two minutes, so uh, we need to end this, and I want to have you back. But uh, let everybody know your Twitter account and web website information. Um, what, what's your Twitter account? Oh, really easy. It's Al Jackson, and my website is Al Jackson Live. And and uh, what's uh, I, I know that you did uh, Jim Jeffries uh, legit congratulations thank you and I know you be doing line act uh, but what what's your like you know I got literally like a minute and a half um, what's your big goal for next year I mean besides taking care of your wife and having a wonderful time with your son alive oh no I'm not trying to take care of my wife I'm really trying to kick her to the curb and get a newer model <laughs> Jesus little twenty four year old little hottie <laughs> <laughs> no I mean. Uh, I'm just really working on this this material. I want to have an hour special, um, definitely in the next year. That's my goal, and I'm I'm working on pilots. But I just love stand up, and I mean I've been lucky enough to do a lot of TV. But I just love stand up, and I want to just keep doing it and keep keep interacting with people. That's all. That's all I want to do, man. All right, thanks, Al. Uh, please follow Al Jackson. He's hilarious. Uh, he's very thoughtful, and uh, um, I'm really happy to see him do tons of acting because more acting and stuff for you, you could stay home in L.A. and spend more time with your son and uh, wife. So, Al, How am I going to get the whores if I stay home? <laughs> <laughs> Al, Al, thanks for doing it again. I, I really want to, um, next time, I, and I'm, uh, I, you know, when I get back in February, I definitely want to do more stuff, and uh, I, I definitely want to talk more sports. But, yeah, I... I, I um, I want to cover that rate ratio stuff more next time too. But Let's thanks for joining again, uh, Al. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything. And uh, um, uh, tell, tell uh, the name of your podcast. Oh, at, at the at what's what pod at what's what pod uh, what's what podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Well, Yoshi, you're a great dude, man. We love you, man. Thank, thanks for doing it, and Al, I'll talk to you soon. And thanks for everyone. I know this is this this is the longest podcast we we did because I'm literally hitting three hour mark. Thanks for listening, and talk to you guys soon. And uh, please support Kimberly Motley. Thanks. <laughs>